is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back. We are today. We're we're going over Ted Lasso season two, episode eight, Man City, and we're finishing up. Um, we are finishing up uh, the second half. We basically left off where uh, where um, Doctor uh, Sharon has ja- ja- sort of dismissed Ted from her from her um, apartment, and as I was watching again last night. I was thinking, I, you know, I was taking her side and saying, you know, she gets, she's the one that gets to uh, make the rules. The person who gets in an accident makes the rules about uh, wh- who and when they have certain conversations um, with whom and at what time. But after watching again, I thought, why didn't you guys yell at me and say, yeah, except Ted was right. <laughs> I mean... When I yell at you, it is very rarely Ted is right, at least in season two. Um, but ex- expand on that. What do you mean? Because she's supposed to be like somebody should be monitoring her or, or what reasons are there that Ted yeah, should I be? Mean, yeah, it wasn't. It clearly wasn't. I thought he was being real Ned Flandersy and real busybody-ish and looking around the apartment. You know, all that stuff I can't stand. Um, and I, and I, I usually expect the show to play um, – against type with things like that uh what in uh, watching it again i was thinking you know what here's the thing we opened intentionally with this weird segment where we've never met uh uh uh, dr sharon's therapist and she outlines generally the way everything's going to go for this episode and she's like uh, you have not let ted in if you if you don't extend yourself he's not going to extend himself um and uh, what you do in tough situations, he, Ted may joke to uh, avoid a, a uncomfortable situation, but what you do is you are intelligent and you make a you know intelligent point to try to close the door on a conversation, which is where we left off last week. She was just like he, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, this is it was a it was scary or it was a this you know big deal that happened, and she's like, yes, and my entire job is dedicated to helping people. Uh, fix those things. I know what I'm doing. Thank you, Coach Lasso. Goodbye. Like it was like that. I was like, oh my god. But as we go on uh, with this analysis today, we're gonna find that you know what Ted was right. Um, anyway, we'll get there. Um, but um, yeah, something I noticed. And, and I, yeah, I, I think in that, and I do want. I'm I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, I think. Ted, if nothing else, for sure, runs on connection. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I felt like I I got him immediately, like from the dancing in the first episode of the entire series. And so here's this moment that was potentially a moment of connection, right? Like, all right, all the work stuff aside, you're a human being. A bad thing happened. I'm glad you're okay. I'm checking on you. So I think he was sort of saying like, hey, we could connect here. And then she chose not to. So I think that is significant in terms of their relationship. At least at least in the short term. Right. 
Um, so when we when we open up this episode, um, uh, this part of the episode, this this uh, t- this week's uh, podcast, we are um, outside of Latucci restaurant, um, and Rebecca is in the back of her Rolls Royce, and I'll tell you that it's a weird place to pick up uh, because every time I see Rebecca in the Rolls Royce being chauffeured. I I like her less and less, and I was thinking, God, I wonder. At some point, we have to do some an article on uh, the antagonist or something where we where we chart the trajectory of like for different characters. You mean because like they Rebecca, do for like the political debates, like where, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be really interesting, actually. You know what uh, I'm saying? Funny. Because I'm like, yeah. I, you yeah, know, yeah, Nate yeah. is clearly like taking a nosedive. Uh, you know, as the show goes on, but I'm like, do I like Rebecca as much as I used to? Like, do I, are the Christmas stuff really, you know, whatever, we're, we're not going to we'll hold that against her, but I'm like, mm, there, there, there are certain there, things. I don't, I don't know about we in that. I don't know who this we is that you're referring to. <laughs> you like Rebecca still? I still like her, but I am also very much holding the Christmas episode against her. Oh, but, got it. Okay. We yes. are not going to hold that. I see. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder, and I'm like, do, do I like, do I like Keely as much as I did when she was sort of an up and comer? Do I like? I'm like, I don't know. It's just uh, anyway. Um, you know, I, the, I think no, Thor. Oh, Thor, sorry, don't say that again. Yeah, no, no, it's, that's good. You know, I think, Coach, that we want to. We should pay attention to what you're reacting to there, or at least like flag that, because I'm wondering if, generally speaking. You like the underdogs. And that's my Probably. that's where I, I often land. Like I'm the person like you you put me in front of a random sporting event, I'm gonna generally root for like the you know actual underdog or whoever is losing when I join the action. Like that's just my basic right. instinct as I go. And I wonder yeah. if when you know, if when Keely is just sort of, you know, this vapid person who's just well, you know, that's one thing. But then as she moves on and is now a lot more than that in terms of the structure of this organization, if she becomes less, you know, someone you're rooting for because she's already got power. I don't know. I'm not sure of that. Yeah, but no, it no, feels yeah, maybe. like there's something there. I feel like I've yeah, I'm definitely rooting for people that are striving towards something. I think it did a little a lot of damage for Rebecca with me that when she didn't solve the cerithium oil thing like I, we just didn't get that part of it that i wanted to see and then a lot of this season has her been like just sort of a i don't know just like giggling and looking at her phone i'm like ah i just want her to be that powerful sort of archetype but it's okay it's fine okay um i was waiting for to see if you guys were gonna say anything uh <laughs> once again boss is just checked out hey i mean i okay so one thing that i understand is there was a freshness and a newness with season one of ted lasso where you were like oh my god this is really good so there's a surprising aspect of that which i think anytime that you have a sophomore flop and i unfortunately would call this a sophomore flop Part of it is just going to be like, yeah, when it was newer, you thought it was more fun. And now it's not as much. So I'm sort of wondering about that. I'm also sort of wondering 
Is it that Rebecca, as a character, is showing us things that we dislike about her? Or is it that the writers didn't show us as much about what we should like about her moving forward? So I, I, I absolutely understand your point. I also think that there's a lot of layers to it in terms of the reality of a show being produced and the art involved and the actual logistics. Like, th- there's a lot in your statement. I don't know if I dislike anybody more, except obviously Nate. Um, but the ways in which I have grown to like other characters more make me think that this is about the process and not about who they are as people, quote unquote. I, I get that. First of all, if this was a sophomore slump, it won every – or sophomore flop or whatever you said. It, it, it won like every comedy award known to man in its second season. So um, – would that every flop yeah. <laughs> be this be this co- competent? Um, yeah. uh, I'm gonna back up real quick. Would you like to know how many Emmys The Wire won? Because the answer is zero. If we're going with only the number of awards, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think everybody can agree that Wire was not a good show in general. Obviously, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like pretty. I think that's commonly regarded as like kind of cringy and kind of sure. awful. Talk sure. about by the numbers. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. There's it was like it was like Mad Libs TV. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There is little, little to Nothing. no chance that if you ask me where Wallace is, that I wouldn't burst into tears immediately about, oh, yeah. about it. That's so sad. Why do you have to ruin the podcast? By I saying? got, I got, I got to direct Michael. How about that in life? That's oh my god! Sweet. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Mac was in dinner for two. We're, we're like friends, actually, for real. Like jokes aside, seriously, we're we're, we're actually friends now. But um, yeah, no, he, and and he's as good as you would think. He's awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. No, okay. he's, he's great. Yeah, I might need to relocate to Los Angeles. <laughs> hang out, hang out with my good buddy. Absolutely. Well, just to sum up the last segment, for those of you who have uh, watched Ted Lasso but have not watched The Wire, uh, you're not missing anything. Just skip it. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Irrelevant. Yeah. Um, nothing Nothing new happening on that show. Um, okay. I want to do a quick – I was thinking that the, the characters that I like more in season two or, or equally as much – and I don't want to dwell on this because I know that this will be a 12-hour uh, episode. Uh, well, I do want to dwell on it a little bit. I love Jamie Tart. Like love every time he's on the screen, every time he's got two lines in an episode, he kills them. Phil Dunster. I'm just like, Oh my God. Uh, absolutely, you know, bl- blowing me away every time he's on the, on the, on the screen. Uh, ditto, uh, Brett Goldstein playing Roy Kent. I, I'm just like all in, but I want to just, I just want to take a quick, I just want to take a quick poll here. Okay. I'm, I'm, you guys are allowed one word answers you can't expand um on the answers and i'm just gonna say a character and then we're gonna go first uh first boss and then coach and you tell me if you like them as much that's all i'd say do you like them as much as you did season one you guys ready all right let's do this all right uh sam yes yes okay yeah that's a yes for me too um higgins no. I'm <laughs> push. Push. <laughs> Coach. Coach, you get one word. One word. Push. Push is my word. Push. To push. So you so that's okay. That means you like him as much as season one. Yes. You don't like him less. 
Right. Okay. Um, Isaac. Yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, what about um, Trent Krim? No. Eh, eh, yeah. It, one word. Push. Also. <laughs> Danny Rojas. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, for me, it's not. It's a no. But okay. Interesting. Um, Keely. Yes. Yes. Uh, are you sure, guys? That was the. There was some thought there. Okay. All Let's, right. You said you I'll, said I'll one expand, word. I'll, not yeah, one I'll expand if you want. Yeah. I'll no, 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 no. Yeah. But that one. What that one? I thought maybe. I don't know if I. Yeah, it's close though with Keely. I think I do like her, but as much. But um, it's close. Um, Roy. Yes. Yes. Okay, and um, Rebecca. Yes. Yes. Uh, Coach Beard. Come on. <laughs> but you like him as much as season one. Think about what he was in season one, and up till this point, what he what he has been in season two. Like I was in love with him in season one, like like crazy about him in season one and season two. Like the guy that he was in season one, research and again, I I shouldn't expand on this because i'm the only one that's allowed to but i was just i was just wondering wondering okay so you both say yes on coach beard yes yes okay and what about ted yes yes okay all right so this is all made up in my in my mind you guys every the show is 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 moving along nicely and you're still you're still fully bought in okay well, i'll offer this i'll offer this up and i mean it and i mean it and i mean and i can do it quickly but i do think it, it it matters for my answers what one of the things i actually do like generally about season two as we're going through here is i feel like there were these things that we saw that were either interesting or funny or cute or quirky and season two for me adds dimension to them like what's really going on with folks that they make some of the choices that they make that they do some of the things they do that they react some of the ways that they do so for me that's that that is part of what i'm enjoying and why i'm liking some of them because i'm just finding that intriguing yeah i do find it intriguing even though i don't love all the plot points necessarily i i think the I don't think that this is necessarily a reflection on the characters not being as good just because they aren't doing things as well as I would have liked. Like, those are two different things for me. I don't think that the show was less satisfying for me season two because of the characters. I think it's because of the plots that they were given. Interesting. I get that. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So... uh... Okay, Rebecca's sitting in the back of the car. She gets FaceTime from Keely. Um, she answers it, and she's wearing a, a mask on her face. Uh, uh, you know, like a, an applique. Applique? How do you pronounce that, boss? Oh, you're asking the wrong woman. I don't know. Face stuff. It's not It's not a COVID mask. It is a beauty mask. A beauty mask, yeah. I like it. And um, she uh, saying, Keely's like, oh, why are you picking up? Like, you're supposed to be in there five minutes ago. And Rebecca says, I can't go in. And Keely tries to talk her, talk, 
her off the ledge. She says, see, they're going to be the most amazing night or it's going to be so shit that you can punish me for it for the rest of our friendship. And Rebecca does like the sound of that. Um, Keely says she's going to hang up so Rebecca can go in there. And Keely says she's beautiful. And they do little kisses and they hang up. Now, Rebecca enters. I, I would just toss in, by the way, and and that the show has a certain, um, if not Buddhist, certainly some of that spiritual uh, underpinning. And I think this is like a definition of equanimity. Like, go in and it will be an experience and it will be the experience it is. And no matter what happens from there, you just can react to that. Like, there was... um. There was a divorce. They, they were, the point is, you need to go inside. Divorce yourself from the outcome of going inside. Now, she puts it in a funny and acute friendship way. But I did think that was significant, given that Rebecca is at a a jumping off point for, for her in her development. Yeah, no, I know. I, this, this, I mean, this moment sort of really uh, resonated with me because I... Um, have a little social anxiety. You never know it because I'm a super social person. But it's the breaking the ice of like a new group or a new event. That's always the hardest thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so like this moment of like, oh God, like I just I just would rather drive away and not have to worry about it, whatever. Um, you know, I really I can relate to that. Um so she does it. She Keely talks her into going. And um Voila, and Rebecca enters Letucci. Um, her and Sam immediately see each other because Sam is waiting at the bar. Uh, he says, hello, Miss Welton, and then corrects it to Rebecca because she has insisted that he calls her Rebecca. Um, quite the coincidence. And she said she's nervous because she's meeting someone. And, you know, he says not to be nervous because she looks stunning as, as always. Um, if this is a little callback to uh season one when sam walked into her uh, office and said what did he say coach he well that's when he invited her to the uh to the ceremony to the to to get rid of the ghosts the too many ghosts so he did tell her that she uh must get romantic overtures all the time because she's so she's such a beautiful woman so he, he he's definitely noticed uh rebecca on that level before Right, for sure. Um, so he just says this, these nice things. Uh, he looks great with his new haircut. Um, she is uh, looking stunning as usual. And, um, you know, she says, listen, I don't want to get in the way of your thing. And they just sit like <laughs> two feet from each other. I was like, God, this is so weird. Like they just have their, ugh, it was such a weird choice, but I kind of loved it because um, it was it was awkward. And, um, oh, she actually compliments his hair. Um, and he does this really cute thing, uh, where he's like, Oh, thank you. Like, and, and very, very, uh, he is an attractive human being. I will say that. I think Sam is just, Sam has a, uh, uh, Toeb Jimo, the actor who plays uh, Sam Obisanya has a, a couple of gears, man. And, um, <laughs> like he has this like boyish sweet gear, but as soon as she compliments his hair, he kind of drops his chin and looks at her through the, over the top of his eyes. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hello. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I agree. Damn, and there's, he's, there's, he's there's, he, 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 he can turn on the smooth. I like yeah. I, I, And I thought that at several points it'll, you know, we'll get to. But yeah, I thought here he uh, he, he wouldn't necessarily know Billy D. Williams, but he certainly accessed uh, that energy. I was like, wow, OK. 
that is that is high praise. Um, I was thinking Neo. Um, you know Neo uh, and his trillion dollar smile. Are you familiar with Neo? The artist or the yeah re- yeah yes yeah the artist yes, yes yes absolutely yep. And he has like a quality where he's he can look real serious and handsome and and then he puts he smiles and you go oh geez it like lights up the <laughs> like that's not fair. Uh, Sam has <laughs> one of those smiles. And so uh, they turn, turn back. They turn away from each other, waiting for their their people. Uh, uh, we see uh, Rebecca texting uh, Keely, and the texts uh, above. I read what did you guys read? What she had written beforehand. It was just like the two of them game planning what Rebecca was going to wear and that sort of thing. And did you notice that, Coach? I did. It was the little black dress, I believe. Like they had yeah, LBD, LBD or something. Like that. Yeah, so I thought that yep. was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, their relationship continues to be uh, very charming. Uh, Keely and Rebecca, uh, the text that, uh, Rebecca sends to Keely says, Sam is here. Awkward. And Rebecca turns back to Sam and says that Keely says hi and like kind of shows him the phone. Do you notice that? And then kind of points at it like this weird, awkward thing. And I was like, Oh, don't show him the phone. Like if he, I'm like, you just, anyway, I was like, I thought it was so perfectly awkward and stupid and I really liked it. Yeah, it was perfectly awkward, but only because otherwise it kind of sounds like maybe she and Keely talked about it beforehand. Like, you need to say, oh, I'm texting Keely, and th- like, there's the phone thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a good way of being nonchalant about that, unless she was like texting directly in front of him, which also seems weird. I get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, it, this is a. The show at this point is trying to pull off a very, very deft maneuver. Um, Sam turns, uh, texts Rebecca on banter, saying he's at the bar in a blue suit. And what happens, boss? Then immediately Rebecca's phone dings. They realize what happened. They turn to each other and they're like, oh, my God, you're the secret person I've been texting the whole time. Go figure. I hate. I understand that this is a very difficult needle to thread, but then I don't understand why they decided to thread it in the first place. Like immediately after they uh, both recognize that the other one was the person that they've been texting for the last month or two or however long, they get right into Rebecca saying this absolutely cannot happen. And then she gives a bunch of really good reasons as to why this absolutely can't happen. And as a viewer, you kind of think like, don't give me a good argument as to why I shouldn't be rooting for this couple. Like, it it doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to do it this way, then we need to have a little bit more argument in favor of them being together. That's really interesting. I did not read it that way, but wow. Yeah, that is... you totally made me really pause. I yeah, because I, I, what I thought was from a mechanical, right? Like not in their world, but as in constructing this, I thought if they just meet up and go, "Oh, you're kidding," and start having dinner, then we are saying all those things while we're watching them. But I felt like by her saying them. They're not necessarily, they're not removed, but they're acknowledged. And then we can be in the experience with them of that evening. That, that was how I 
took it, but I, I see what you're saying and I and I get it. I very much get it. Yeah, I think that this is a case where the arguments against their relationship need to be acknowledged because otherwise you're acting like Sam and Rebecca are stupid and they are not. Um, so they did need to be acknowledged. It's just that there wasn't any refutation of her points. It, specifically, I should say that what she says is, we can't do this. I'm your boss and I'm so much older than you are. And then she says, how old are you? What, like 24? And he says, I'm 21. So, like, Okay, those- wait. And then we get to my favorite part of this, where she goes, oh, my God, I'm a pedophile. That made me I laugh laughed so loud. hard. Yeah. yeah. First of all, pedophile, the English uh, pronunciation of it is so much better than pedophile. And sounds, I mean, it's, it, it's- maybe it's not the word you want a great punchline to, to hang on, but it just sounds better uh, when she says it. And then she goes, I was grooming you. All these messages, I was grooming you. I laughed so hard because I was really with her in that moment. I'm like, oh, this is not – because here's the thing. She has built – we all build the – you know, when you're in a moment like this and you especially uh, uh, haven't met the person, you build the fantasy. So she is building a fantasy of like her ultimate match. And her ultimate match is not some boy. It it doesn't matter that um, correct he's a he's a player on her team or whatever that all that will will factors in a little bit later but it's I think remember when we met John um, Wings Night like it's, it's Wings Night at PJ Flats um, uh, <laughs> and he wasn't good enough but he was like a guy with a chauffeur and you know uh, established and that sort of thing and he wasn't like quality enough so in her mind like she she's looking for some i think you know ceo type not like a, a little dude who's a so- like a soccer player like that I, I don't think that was her fantasy and so i think all of that was part of it but then a- also the ramifications of workplace uh affairs and, and things things along that lines so it's interesting to me that that what you picked up on immediately was that Sam is not enough of a man for her. Like it's not that I'm disagreeing. It's more so that he is right now in the like peak physical condition of his life. He is a professional athlete. He is famous. He has fans that he needs to deal with. He has sponsorships. Like in a lot of ways, he is a man, but it is just the age difference. Like, I am sure that Rebecca wouldn't think, oh, you're a child and you don't know how to do anything and I would be forced to take care of you. I think what she is thinking is, when I was going on my first date, you hadn't been born yet. Like, there's going to be some... Well, he was just calling her Miss Welton, like up till... Right, yeah. I mean, like, like, there's a very clear dynamic between them. It's deferential and and respectful and and kind. Sam is lovely, but he is a very young... He's a young man. man. He's a young, like, I am not as old as uh, Hannah Waddingham is. And when he said 21, I recoiled. Like, the idea, (laughs) uh, like, I, I, I could be his mother. Very easily, I could literally physically be his mother. And that's why I like the pedophile stuff. It was so goddamn funny. It was great. But to my earlier point, I'm not saying that this shouldn't be addressed because it's going to be an issue with the age difference, with her being his boss, with it being a scandal. You know, if it comes out later that people find out the owner of the team was sleeping with a star player, like there is a lot to be discussed here. 
it needs to be acknowledged. It's just then never... Sam doesn't have a good reason as to why they should be ignoring those things. And those are still very big issues within their relationship. They're acknowledged. They're never dealt with. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, one thing we haven't uh, like, uh, like everywhere else in the world, we only care about what the woman is thinking. Um, We have not, (laughs) we have not discussed (laughs) We have not discussed. Thank you, coach. Thank you. Imagine if that just was like taken straight. Like, oh wow, that that coach Castleton's a real misogynist. Um, we have not discussed I th- I Sam's think, reaction. I think people know. Yeah, I know. Pretty, pretty often. Pretty uh, obvious. I, I don't think this podcast has done wonders uh, for me. But I I will say that I uh, I loved Sam's reaction when he was like, oh, like I thought that was kind of a boyish, wonderful response. Like it's like like his reaction where he you know what I'm the sound he made where he's like oh like I was like that's when you you someone gets burned or like like you, you or, or your friend something bad happens to him or you know like like a funny mm-hmm. holy mm-hmm. shit reaction it's- but not like okay well no I think maybe it occurred to Sam maybe when he walked in or saw Rebecca he's like wow shit I wonder if it's Rebecca like he, he's obviously. Uh, charmed by her and, and thinks the world of her. Um, but he was not at all put off in the same way um, that it was her at the other end. And it, and realistically, we don't know what they've been uh, trading, but it's probably been some pretty personal stuff. So, Well, we know, know it's personal on the level of like who they really are and what they really think. Like at the point that he's like sharing that Ratatouille is his favorite movie, right? So like I think there's a there's a level of intimacy they've already um gone through or or experienced with one another that that sort of makes their connection undeniable and i i took from his re- his reaction i took as oh shit this is crazy not and 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 i'm not sure he thought it was good or bad i think he just thought like oh wow that's crazy um whereas rebecca definitely you know what? He was curious to me in my reading of the scene. He was curious and she was judgmental. Yes. Oh, you're a beautiful man, coach. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you for turn- tuning in, everybody. That's, uh, that'll conclude. We can't get better than that uh, this week. So until next week. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So we uh, now she's about to just walk. She's like, I'm good. And he says, listen, uh, just he goes, wait, 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 and she stops and he says, it could just be a funny coincidence that um, that we both, you know, we both happen to turn up at the same fabulous restaurant, both of us alone and hungry. That can happen, right? Um, and she does say she admits that she is hungry, <laughs> which I liked a lot. Yeah, I was uh, like, whoo, talk about a lot of meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we saw this, uh, now we get this, uh, uh, we get a song, Loving Is Easy by Rex Orange uh, County and playing over uh, them having a montage of them having a dinner. Um, the only shot I did not like in the dinner, uh, we'll see if you guys picked up on the shot that I would not have liked, but did you notice anything about the dinner montage that um, was iffy? The one from outside the restaurant? I'm just curious. Nope. Nope. I like that one. That was okay. Fun. Okay. For me, it was this shot where um, 
Rebecca's glass was getting filled up and they shot through it to Sam looking over his glass, looking at her drinking more wine. And it looked like real creepy as a shot. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. he was like That's clocking the amount of alcohol she was drinking. And I'm like, okay, maybe, ah. that, maybe there, there's a reason for that. Like he's watching her like, okay, she's relenting and she's just relaxing and having a good time. Um, if it was somebody other than Sam, I would have been like, ooh, I don't like that shot at all. But um, Interesting. Anyway, that, I took it because yeah. I thought that shot, the intent for me, I, what I took from the shot was he's drinking water and she's drinking wine, which I thought. I don't know. I felt like age difference. He's an athlete in season. And also if, you know, we didn't want this to be like they got, if something does happen, I think it sort of removes a bit of the like, oh my God, it was a sloppy mess. He he was not drinking wine. I thought I saw him drinking wine too. I thought he drank water, but I can, I will absolutely go back and check now because it'll drive me crazy for the rest of time. But I, I thought he had water in his hand. Okay. Um, we now cut uh, – Boss, you want to say something about that? Yeah. Actually, my problem with this scene was that they yada 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 over their sparkling dinner conversation. The relationship thus far has been them texting each other. So the two actors themselves have not been interacting outside of bumping into each other in the hall at work. They get to the restaurant. They have a couple of minutes back and forth where it's they acknowledge what's going on. He, you know, talks her into at least having dinner. Not talks her into, but they have dinner. And then instead of seeing them do any bantering, they play the music and show them having dinner. Like, I can be, I can Mm. buy into this relationship, but you're going to have to give me something more than they are in a relationship because we say that they are. The actors themselves have chemistry. I believe that the characters would have a lot of chemistry. They have shown us zero chemistry between the two of them. That's it. Just really upset. You know what? I, I like the storyline, but I agree with the point you just made. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, I took it as, well, this is their time. Like, almost like um, the, way, the way in which when, when, when Roy tells Keeley, you know, she's a, a bill for whatever, and then we cut away. We don't actually go to the, to, to the bedroom with them. I kind of took it like that, that it was like, this is their you know, their space, we're letting them be private. But I think you're right that it would have impacted even the next scene we're going to see with them if we had gotten a little bit of the magic there. I think you're right. I I mean, I don't need to see it. Like, I understand if the show is going to stay PG-13 or whatever, we're not going to actually have a a extended sex scene between Keely and Roy or Beard and Jane or whoever else. That's fine. But if you think about the number of interactions that Keely and Roy had in season one in order to establish the relationship before they kissed outside of her Mm -hmm. hotel room. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, we saw them together. We had the touches between them and this one, we haven't had any, like I, I will buy in. Sell me something. I, I just want to make sure I get this quote correct for the article I'm going to write. Um, uh, boss says, um, okay, we're not going to get an extended sex scene between Beard and Jane, comma, that's all right. So I'm oh, sure I got that right. I-, I said we're not getting. I already have those. It's the fanfic. I've written it. It's done. <laughs> it's out there. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. So uh, we, we are now cutting to Dr. Sharon. She's alone in her apartment. 
we hear a song fading out uh, and the TV is playing Lust Conquers All Stars. And then uh, we see Ted uh, rings Sharon, Dr. Sharon. Uh, he says, hey, Doc, so tonight I'm going to keep checking on you every 20 minutes or so. It's standard concussion protocol, but I'm going to change the voices on you to keep it interesting. And he does a good, very good Kermit the Frog voice. Are you feeling dizzy or nauseous? And she laughs. And he says, what, coach? What does he say? So that's what it sounds like when you laugh. Which I, I love that moment because it was, there she is, the human. Okay, like I made it in. Um, I thought that was that was Ted saying, you know, oh, I, ho- I hopped the fence um, to reference back to what he said about Rebecca. So I, I, I really enjoyed this exchange between them. Nice. Um, yeah, I like that, too. And so she, uh, you know, he says um, she says that she's doing fine. He does a sling blade impression. Um, and he does a high pitched yes, which I think is a Miss Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire reference. Um, and then she says, What, boss? This is an interesting thing. Where I thought, I don't love the dynamic of her sitting alone in the room. Man, it bums me out. And maybe people live like this. <laughs> maybe just my ADHD keeps me much more active. But her sitting in a room with the lighting that was in that room, like it's like sort of dark, miserable. And she's sitting in the chair, just staring at the broken bike. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, okay, I guess maybe that's how people process things. But whew. anyway, what does she say to uh, to Ted, boss? She says, I was scared today. Really scared. I love riding my bike. It's my happy place. And after today, I was worried I'll be too scared to enjoy riding again. Which I'm going to back up real quick. Number one, was she looking at the broken bike or was she looking at the new bike that Ted sent to her? Uh, this was the broken bike. This was the broken bike. Yeah, we're okay. not there this yet. Is the broken bike. We're yeah. not there yet. Not there yet. Okay, so I, I'm jumping the gun, obviously. Um, it, she says that she was afraid. It's interesting to me, Coach, that you say that that, would, that, that seems sad to you. I took that as her healing from being injured earlier. Like both physically, she was resting. She was like taking care of herself and also sorting through her feelings. And I don't know if maybe this is because I am more of an introvert, shockingly. Um, I enjoy my alone time. I enjoy living alone. But when I need to process through something, I don't talk about it. Like I experience something and then I process it and then I talk about it with other people. So it made a lot of sense to me that she would do a similar thing. I just want to see if Coach wants to weigh in on any of this about processing. Yeah, you know. well, well, it's interesting because I, I can see I can see both. Honestly, as a lot of time when I'm in my office, um, the lights are out and it's pretty much the glow of the of my monitors that that, that provides light. Um, a lot of the time. That said, I am more. I'm. What, on that continuum, I'm much more on the how am I supposed to know what I think until I've said it. Um, so I often just actively need to to talk to someone, and I'll I'll toss in in this direction that I'm working on writing a book actually, and I just this weekend decided I'm going to try the strategy of dictating my book 
into Otter AI and then taking that and editing that and seeing if I can get these ideas out more uh, smoothly and more like my voice. So yeah, I'm, I definitely do a lot of thinking with my, my lips flapping and, and sometimes change direction in the middle of the sentence. Okay. All right. Um, we get a thing after she said she was worried that she'd be uh, too scared to, to enjoy riding again. Ted says, well, I'd say that fear is a lot like underwear. And then she cuts him off and she says, no, I don't want to discuss it. I don't need a pep talk. I just wanted to tell you how I was feeling. And he says, well, I appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, and uh, she says, I'm glad I did it. Good luck this weekend. Now, she is clearly following the um, the uh, pattern of uh, behavior that her therapist suggested, which is once you extend honestly to Ted, he will extend honestly to you. Um, and so – I read this as her first foray into that world. Is that how you guys read it as well? I did. And I, and I thought it was significant as I looked at the two of them, they, they each, they each manage not to deal too much with whatever is bothering them. And I think, you know, we, I think one can drink, uh, perhaps in a less than healthy way and not be, you know, raging, you know, whatever. And so I think they both, the numbing that they both obviously do, they don't necessarily consistently, from what I'm seeing, allow others to do for them what they do for others, each of them. And so I think this is an interesting dance the two of them are doing of like, am I going to open up and let you, it, Ted is saying like, am I going to let you be my Ted Lasso? And on some level, she's like, or am I going to let you be a little bit of my Dr. Sharon? It feels like to me. Right. Okay. Uh, why is fear like uh, a lot like underwear? Anybody have any thoughts about that? Hmm. It's pink. Uh, <laughs> wow. 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 I don't even know no. what to do with that. Is that- no, that is, that is awful. All right, I got a couple. I got a couple. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, these these I I cribbed from various websites, uh, wondering if anyone had figured out the joke. So mm. I, I, jo- I jotted a couple of them down. Uh, fears a lot like underwear. Uh, everyone has them, but it's considered polite to keep them covered up. That's a oh, good one, right? Okay. All right. All right. How about this one? Um, Fear's a lot like underwear. If you don't have any, you're way too free. <laughs> it made me laugh. This, I'm not sure it's where this was going, but it this made is me laugh. this is the uh, the one that I that I thought I liked the best. Um, this is the one I could see. I could picture Ted saying, "Fear's a lot like underwear. It creeps up on you." That's okay. Funny. Yes that that I will get behind. I like that. that one. I that's what I thought. Right? Okay. Yeah, that, right. that's a winner for me. I like that. Um, okay. So uh, she says, good luck this weekend. He hangs up the phone. And then he says he is talking to, takes a sip of beer. He is playing pinball, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz pinball. Uh, and then he starts chirping at the pinball machine where uh, the old, oh God, it's like, I don't even know if Gen Zers would understand that there was a leaderboard and you could only put in your initials and, he says, I know. Okay, I know. It, it right? feel, yeah, it feels like you're talking about like covered wagons. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. Yeah, it, you might as well be. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's completely nuts. 
So, uh, and I was like, oh God, this is a sad existence that he's just playing uh, pinball. But I mean, it's okay. so funny to me every time that you say that stuff. And maybe this is me being sort of a loner because um, just here in Chicago this last week, we had Chicago Restaurant Week where they give you like three or four course meals at a discount so you could try out places that maybe you wouldn't go before. Mm -hmm. And I went to like six or seven different places by myself. And next week they're doing the same thing, but it's specifically black owned restaurants in Chicago. And I'm going to go do that. And the week after that, it's Chicago theater week. So I'm going to a couple of plays and a couple of ballets and a couple of symphonies and I'm doing it all by myself. And I am so excited. Like I am so thrilled that I have all this stuff to do, but also that I don't have to worry about managing plans with other people or worrying about their expectations or what if they don't like the ballet and I really like, no, I'm just going to go do my shit and it's going to be great. So the idea of like going to my favorite bar and doing trivia or pinball or whatever else, that's my happy place. I don't, I don't think that it's sad at all that Ted is doing that. I'm like that, get them, get them Ted, put ass on the board. Put ass on the board. Um, why does it feel like you, you've said that before somehow? Oh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> yes. All right. So I will, I will cease and desist from assuming that, I, uh, solitary activities are inherently lonely rather than, uh, exhilarating. But I, I do, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, boss. I, I was just going to say, I don't think that you need to stop considering them lonely. I think if you feel like it would be lonely for you, then registering that in somebody else makes a lot of sense. It might be that you're seeing something in Ted that I'm not seeing because I think like, – You know what I think? Honestly, I think it's just I don't really like pinball all that much and it feels like – Sure. Pinball ugh. is garbage. Like <laughs> – Wait. Do, can we get a photo hunt in here? What is going on, May? Upgrade your electronics. No, I, I get it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we cut right back to uh, Sam and Rebecca and they're walking up to her her house – um, they joke about how large purses it can be because she's looking for her keys and they, they have a little I, clutch joke. I want to yeah. I, I want to jump in here because usually this is not from me. I hated this moment. I didn't buy it. It felt it is the least genuine I've found either of them in the series. Like I just didn't I did not buy it. I didn't buy Sam's laughing. I didn't buy it. Like once they settled down in front of the door and that I felt like we were back to the show I know and love. I just didn't buy that exchange. And I get why they'd be doing that joke, but it felt like the joke you would write. It felt like if you said to me, oh, we got to find a way into this scene that it would be like the one of the first things I think of is like, oh, because she's looking in her bag and he laughs, but he doesn't really know what a clutch is called but he's been on enough dates to have seen a clutch i don't know it, it was it, there was something s- super false for me about that moment maybe it's generic i don't know but it, it i did not buy it to the point that it distracted me and i had to kind of like refocus in once they settled down i absolutely understand that i think my reading of it was they are being awkward and weird and generic because this is a slightly uncomfortable moment and they're not sure how to deal with it like huh, okay, okay. A, a stranger in the elevator and I will be like, oh man, it's really cold out, huh? And it's fake. It's 100% <laughs> fake. Right, I don't, okay, okay. 
So it, it felt like that to me, but I do understand why it seemed inauthentic. It, it also seems like this would have been maybe a good instance for the writers to inject a little more personality, even if it was going to be an awkward, uncomfortable moment. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I would, I would marry this with your earlier point about, you know, yada, yada, yadaing uh, dinner, which I loved. But, but I think. Yes, it was an opportunity to give us just a, a a taste, a morsel of the magic, and and I think it would have made what followed even more impactful. I really like what follows, but that yes, what you to to what you just said. So I mean, co- Coach, that's the first time you've seen them. So yeah, I mean, it's like we yada 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 dinner. We 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 know that they've told us that there's a connection because through banter, but the first time we see them together. Is is the notable time that you coach say, I fucking hated it. I did not buy this. Yeah. So so that's that's concerning. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a it's not yeah, it's not it's not uh I I think I forgave it quickly, but I, I can get how it 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 can contribute to the derailing of uh, when did it stop for you? When did it stop? The awkwardness. Yeah, like like when she what, says, pretty much when hey, this, she this isn't a date. Yeah, when she found her keys, like and sort of like, okay, like this is over, and now we're talking about I'm going inside, and this is you know. Then I thought I was back, but yeah, the 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 yeah, when she holds up her keys and says, ah, got it, you know, this wasn't a date. Like she's like, we're both laughing and we're both having a great time. And we both really enjoy each other's company. So I need to remind myself, but I'm going to pretend I'm reminding you that this was not a date. Right. And that, and you were okay. You were back in. Yeah, I was it, back like, in at, at that. I was, yeah, I was like, okay, here we go. Okay. She confirms she's going into the house alone. And then she kisses Sam. Thoughts. I loved it. I loved it. I did. I, I, I thought... For me, this is the moment Roy described, right? Like something magical is happening here. And she knows it's not a good idea, but the, you know, it felt very the heart wants what the heart wants to me. So I, I, I thought that was a, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that moment. Okay. Boss. I really like the actors together. I did not get the same heat from like Roy and Keeley kissing outside of her hotel room that I got from this. It it didn't feel. And again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I need mm-hmm. to be emotionally like warmed up in order to really get into something. This is on me. I am emotionally frigid, but it, it like, I think that they're great. I think they're beautiful. I think they would be a lovely couple, but I'm not feeling it yet. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I enjoyed it. I liked the fact that, um, I, I like that you referenced that this is what Roy mentioned, uh, coach. I really like that. Like he was like, this is how you deserve to, to feel. Um, and I like when she says, like, I mean it. And she kisses him and she says, like, no, it can't happen again, never again. And she's like, I have to mean it. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> uh, it's so great. Um, he says, yeah, the big game on Sunday. Um, she goes into her house, closes the door, s- leans against it, and out through the window, you can see Sam waiting there. Um, and I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the appropriate wait time 
to see <laughs> if that door <laughs> like, opens back up. Yeah, yeah, because you could see her. It's a it's yeah. a door with a window. He could see her leaning against the door. Right. And then I noticed he pulled away before she did, and I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I th- I like that. I like the whole exchange. I, I agree that he was sort of like, mm, is it is is tonight really over? Um, I thought that was that was cool, but I really loved Rebecca's almost. This is gonna. I don't want this to be weird, but schoolgirlish is the f- word that's coming to mind, and I don't be you know, I don't want to be getting in any pedophile territory here. But there was a there was a very like. <laughs> You know, there was a very like young love. Like, if to me, I I would wonder if she was playing like, I am sixteen going on seventeen, right? And then they said action, like, like it just had an energy of like, whoo, I'm weak in the knees, and you know, um, I'm not sure she ever felt like that kissing Rupert. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah, the Rupert part of it is you just like, after Rupert, she deserves all the happiness she can grab with both hands and then some. So that part of it is, is so exciting. I don't exciting think we're allowed to, to talk her. like that at work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I mean, that's the, this is the conundrum. Um, but yeah, no, she clearly uh, is feeling it. Um, and Sam is very charming and very likable and handsome, and he's got the whole the whole package. Uh, we cut then to the boys on Sunday, and um, the team enters Wembley Stadium through the double doors, a double set of double doors. They take in the grandeur of Wembley Stadium, uh, which seats I think ninety five thousand people. Uh, I think that's what Wembley um, seats. I only know that because when the woman women's Euros, uh, which is the uh, when the uh, women's soccer teams from each European nation uh, play for the European Cup, the European Championship, um, I remember they said that you know they, everybody that tries to malign women's soccer, I always point to this. Um, the final was scheduled for Wembley with ninety five thousand people, and. They started, they opened up tickets for the final six months before the final, before the tournament. Um, and no one even knew who would be in the final. And the tickets sold out in 24 hours, uh, for women's soccer. So it's like a, it's like a rocket ship. Yeah. Women's soccer is exploding right now. Um, so Ted pulls them all in for a speech and he says, well, gentlemen, before focus- we go to the yeah. speech, I do, and quickly, yeah. I think this is significant. I think it's interesting that the grandeur, how each character takes in the grandeur, I think, is significant, specifically how Nate takes it in. To For me, and I noticed this in, in real time, the first time I watched this episode, I felt like Nate walked in like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is where I belong. And it was like a, the energy was not like, oh, I'm in, a cathed- I'm in a cathedral taking this in, which is what I got from a lot of the other faces. It was like, yeah. No more, uh, no more kicking poo off the uh, practice field for me, and uh, I thought that was significant in this moment. So he felt entitled to be there, whereas everybody else on the team felt sort of honored to be there. I think so, or like, yeah, yeah a guy who could, yeah, like this is me stepping into that the guy I want to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think, um, and this is one of the scenes that I liked better out of the episode in my you know, fanfic 
uh, fan edit, I should say, of this season. This episode, this uh, scene for me would have come at the beginning of the episode. And I don't know how to work out the timing, but I liked having that sort of awe feeling, uh, you know, the grandeur of the stadium and having that size sort of weighing on the rest of the episode would have been more emotionally satisfying for me. Like, this is what they're getting up to in the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. This sh- We should have that feeling the whole time. In a lot of the ways that Ted and Beard going onto the field in the first episode and setting up, like, Yes. The that's largeness. What, that's how I yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like mm-hmm. the, the space of the of the place that they're going into. And I wanted that the whole episode so that it was all leading up to the game. But you know, I wasn't in the editor's room, so I guess that's not gonna happen. Sadly. Yeah. Sorry. You should have been. I pulled for it. I mean, but. obviously. I have no editing experience whatsoever and have never been involved in a TV show. So bring me in coach. Yeah, that's probably why you weren't in the editing room. Um, but I like the uh, speech, um, and I thought it was interesting how I've taken some issue with Ted over um, uh, what's the Wednesday team? The something Wednesdays or the what was that team? Oh, called? Uh, yeah, where they're playing Saturday. Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, yes, that's right. And and they play no, they play on Saturdays. Or so there's a a comedy aspect to it, but there's also like the fact that I thought in season one, the lasso away was, uh, you know, an infallible system that you just had to implement. And then all of a sudden you get the Wichita state shockers winning a national championship in their first season. So then we've come to find in season two, like, Oh, Ted's not, he's more reactive. There's not, it's not like a, tried and true bulletproof lasso way system. It's more of a, I don't know, a feel kind of thing. You got to believe and good things will happen. Um, and I thought that we've, sh- we've shown in season two, that Ted's a little bit off. He didn't, is there something I should know about with the Nate thing when he apologizes to Colin? And I thought this was a really interesting sort of nod to that, that Ted is not a hundred percent on his game. So he says, you know, gentlemen, focus up. All right, fellas, I want you to close your eyes and look around. You know, I mean, open them up and take it, take it all in. But remember, uh, this right behind me, it's a regular old football pitch. You take away the stadiums and all the stands, and I think you'll find it's the exact same size as our pitch back home on Nelson Road. Uh, to which Beard says what, boss? Not exactly. Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> and we find out that this is 500 square yards bigger. And Ted can't believe that all the pitches aren't the same size. Roy says no. Nate says it's the biggest pitch in the country. Huge advantage for City. Beard says, boy, oh boy, this point has the loosiest, goosiest rules of all. Uh, tough to get my head around sometimes. So he's like, all right, you know what's uh, what? It's bigger. And look, um, you know, I know you grew up watching games in this field. So you're probably a little nervous. Shoot, I know I got goosebumps. I remember being a little kid sitting in front of the television watching Queen perform right over there during Live Aid. Uh, to which uh, Beard says what? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. That, that was old Wembley, uh, Roy <laughs> grunts. Uh, and Nate says that field was even even bigger. And then I like how Ted just redirects. He's like, doesn't matter. Point is, we're here now This is at this Wembley. Uh, it's, it's like amazing that his his pep talk has been foiled so many times in such a short 
in such a short amount of sentences. Uh, at this Wembley, the one that Freddie Mercury never stepped foot in. Um, and this is our day to make history, and I believe we're going to do just that. Go ahead, take one more glance, then let's head back in because we got work to do. Um, he believes that they're going to make history. That's the believe right there, huh? Yeah, it doesn't quite feel like it. Also, I know that this is a minor point, but like Ted Lasso has definitely watched American baseball before. So you're telling me he can't get his head around the idea that different stadiums could be different sizes? Like there are sports that he is aware of. That that's that he, that's fair. Not his. Yeah, no, no, sport, but the, but no, no, but the fields sports. are all the the yeah. fields are all the same size. It's all ninety feet from from it, the fields, you know, but the plate for, to the yeah the, the field outfield. itself. But, but the like, outfield yeah. and for home runs and for everything else, yeah. there are advantages and disadvantages. Like he would know that. It's pretty weird to have a sport with where the field is a difference. I, mean, I think that's pretty atypical. Um, but but I think but I think I think Boss's point is right, which is like if you know being a, a Yankee fan, which I just want to mention to needle Coach Castleton. But uh, but in Yankee Stadium, you're gonna have that short porch in, in right field. I mean, that's not standard. I mean, it's you know. So I think I get what you're saying that there are certain things that are the same, and maybe it, it, the equivalent is that like the goal isn't any bigger. Yes, exactly, exactly but, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, also, thanks for telling although, us about the Yankees. Yeah, now about. I feel dirty. I just agree with the Yankees fan. Come on. Come yeah, on. that's gross. Come on that's over gross. to the dark side. Uh, go socks. All right, so. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Wrong socks. Wrong socks, oh. Castleton, but, but, but oh. close. Yeah. Not a Cubs fan, huh? Not a Wrigley Field uh I'm just needling you now. I know you're not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so now everyone heads back in except for Jamie. Um, and he puts his head up and what does he say? Coach Richmond. And for me, that is a humongous moment because Jamie's is me in season one. He specifically gets taken out of a game because he's yelling me, me, me. And he has come so far as a character, and I think totally believably, that unlike Nate, who's like, oh yeah, here's where I belong, his reaction is Richmond. Like he, you know, I have my kids do a chant, me, we, and it's always a point that the we will always be louder and stronger and bigger. And to me, this is uh, Jamie screaming we with everything he's got. I know, I know that we, um, we saw, you know, Rebecca was season one, her face at the beginning and end shot of the season. And we got Nate, uh, at the beginning shot of this season. Uh, but man, I don't know. Jamie's arc this season is so amazing. It's just crazy. It's going to keep going. Um, but holy mackerel, like it's just, yeah, you're right. This is a big moment. He yells Richmond. He didn't yell Jamie yeah. Tart. He no. would have yelled Jamie Tart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This- this for me felt a lot like uh, Roy touching the belief sign in uh, episode nine of season one. Th- this Ooh, was this was Jamie's. Nice, like, all the hey, we're all the way in now. Yep, all the yep. way in. Wow. Now. Yep, great call. Yeah, great, great callback. Um, okay, so echoes through the through the stadium, and we cut uh, cut to the game. Um, 
Now we see the overwhelming number of Man City fans. They're singing Blue Moon, one of their one of their uh, key uh, team chants. And um, uh, going to jump in real quick and say that not only do uh, football fans have the best chants in sports, like putting ours to shame, but I love the Go Go White Sox song that my team has, and the fucking songs that they pick in England to cheer their team on break my heart every goddamn time blue moon this is what you're going to bring at me uh i've been watching welcome to Wrexham, and they have um only fools rush in like it's 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 supposed to get you geared up for a sports event guys and instead you're breaking my heart and making me cry in the stands because everybody's singing at the same time this is great (laughs) i love it i want you to know i think it's amazing it's just also why do you guys like pain so much? Interesting. That is that that is actually <laughs> really seriously <laughs> like it's really interesting, and it's it, it feels related to remember um, when we have Nora and and Rebecca standing at the the window of the doll shop. And they're sort of comparing the American stories to the British stories for the dolls. Yes. It, it feels connected yes. to that. I don't fully yeah. have, I mean, you obviously have a real, like, you're, you're locked in on it. But it feels like it's <laughs> of that same cultural, you know, uh, disparity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, which- I, I think this is a, you're, this is a, unique, a uniquely American lens where it's like, no, you got to play Eye of the Tiger. I mean, like, West Ham sings i'm forever blowing bubbles i mean that's their classic song (laughs) and it's like you know what i mean but it's like i think when you get to the the level of fandom that they have uh for some of these these clubs and some of these franchises it it outlasts the the quick american sort of you know it's more than just like a, a, a a you know pump up kind of momentary second to second american styling uh, it's yeah. like oh this is the the tradition and 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 not being a cubs fan i think maybe i've even mentioned before on this podcast the um go cubs go song worst song in all of sports any place you will ever come across it's so terrible but it's this bouncy stupid little go cubs go like it's nonsense it's pure nonsense i guess it gets them worked up Although they do play it after the game, which I don't understand either. It's all fine. But compared to something like Blue Moon, like I feel like Man City's fans bleed and cry and die with their team. And Cubs fans are like, let's go drink some beers. So, yes, I do like very much the uh, the doll connection because the the Brits appreciate their pain, at least, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So the, the the place is just loaded with um, Man City fans. Man City, uh, for those people that don't know, is a titan, just an absolute powerhouse uh, of a program. Um, yeah. Speaking uh, of the Yankees, yeah. Seriously, like it's that it, kind right. of. A, it, you know, it is. It is yeah, that yeah. level. There's yeah, a few. Yeah. There's a few teams. Uh, Man City, uh, Manchester United. Historically, um, uh, you have Chelsea um, and Liverpool. These are the teams that have been jockeying for position um at the top of top of the table um and and usually make it into the uh, champions league as well which is like sort of getting to the playoffs uh by our vernacular um anyway uh 
as the as we're getting all these crowd shots, we see uh, Jamie's father sitting in the VIP section of 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 Richmond, wearing uh, a Man City jersey and being in like the biggest knob on the planet uh obnoxious rude arrogant um there's a did you guys watch bad sisters yes okay. uh, the print did not yeah okay so the print you know how like the pr- okay uh will you explain the premise to coach without without ruining it for him uh boss so hopefully this won't ruin anything. Um, I, the trailer does give away. There is a family of five Irish sisters. I should mention that uh, Sharon Horgan is on there because I love her she's so a goddess. much. Yeah. I will watch any, anything, anything she's in. She's so anything. amazing. Um, goddess. Yeah, oh, yeah. Incredible. Um, so she and her four sisters, one of the sisters is married to... I, the the prince prick of all pricks. Like Jamie Tart has got nothing on him. He is the worst human being you'll ever see in your entire life. In the first episode, he is dead. It turns out there might have been some planning by the sisters to kill him. And the series then explores how we got from them wanting him dead to him actually being dead. Wow. Okay. It's so great. It's so good. It's really so- extraordinary. The character of of John Paul, who is the Prince Prick of all Pricks, is so over the top. <laughs> He's so you're just like, oh my god! Like you as a viewer want to kill him within what thirty seconds? The things that come out I, of his mouth. I, I I believe that the season starts with him actually dead, and then as soon as you see him alive, you're like, you should go back to thirty seconds ago when you were dead. You shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't it's, be it's torture, anymore. Coach. It's torture. I but that's how I feel about. Um, uh, about Jamie's father, they're not leaving anything. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no gray on this. Like, it, but I just need to share because I very rarely have this particular reaction to characters. I feel like they stink, like they smell. The three of them, like I feel like as they're walking by and being loud and obnoxious and scream, like I feel like they actually would have an odor that would like yes. trail behind them. Yes, and and that odor is some combination of beer and hard liquor, stale cigarettes, the cheap ones without any filters, and bad aftershave that they slap on to cover up the bad smells and can't get it out. Right. Yes. Yes. I have been to dive bars. I know these men. They smell bad. I um, will say, so uh, James Tart, who is Jamie Tart's father... Um, is played by uh actor uh, named Kieran O'Brien. I don't know him. Um, have you seen him in anything else? Has anyone seen him in anything else? I didn't recognize him. I mean, yeah. No, I didn't recognize him. No, yeah. me neither. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought, okay. So uh, in, in the interest of, uh, I will, I will state again how much I love this show and how much I think they do just about everything right. I felt like, I couldn't tell whether the acting was over the top or the writing or the directing. I can't, I don't know who to blame for this, but it felt like just a little too much. And it felt to me like something that Ted Lasso doesn't do often, which is there is no gray area. Even Rupert had charm to him or had like, you know, there's just like a, 
there's a little bit of subtlety there. This one, it's just, it's almost like how you feel like, oh, uh, you know, on like Chicago Hope or something like, oh, there's the bad guy because they're a hundred percent bad and pure evil. And, um, so I didn't love the, uh, didn't love, uh, the Jamie Jamie's father as a as a character in this, and then it gets even worse uh, later on. But um. yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with you, and I will talk about this more later on. But I think that a thing that shows do not get right very often, and I will give another shout out to Shameless because uh, William H Macy as Frank Gallagher nailed it pretty hard. Is that they are despicable and charming. And you get both. There is never you can't have somebody that's only despicable and useless because nobody will stay around them. The the reason that James Tart is still in his son's life to any extent is because sometimes they are charming and kind and generous. And you're like, oh, well, of course I'm gonna keep you around for those reasons. This depiction is too over the top to be realistic for me. See, I it's interesting. I took it as he's not really a part of Jamie's life. Right. What he is, is the guy who shows up at the which Jamie says when he throws the cleats and, you know, um, in two aces. It's, you know, he's a guy who showed up after I was becoming a star. That's what he cares about. And I thought it was significant in that way. And I'll come back around to what I took for, for him. But like in that way, I think it is significant that he's wearing the Man City Tart jersey because if you wanted one, I'm sure you could have had a Richmond one. And I'd like to find out if there's any parent out there. I, I could be a fan of any team in the world. Like, I I promise you, if my son played for the Red Sox, I would be a Red Sox fan. Like, the idea that I would still be rooting for the Yankees with my son on the Red Sox is completely like it's insane. It's unthinkable to no, me. Yeah, unthinkable and, yeah. And, and insane. And so, part of what I think is pathetic about James is that this is all he's got. He 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 he's amounted to absolutely nothing. And the one thing he can like hang some like I I matter. In the world, the only okay, the only thing that makes him a VIP, which we heard in a, a different way from Higgins, is that he is Jamie's father. Other than that, he is pretty worthless, even to Jamie. He wasn't around to help raise him. Then he shows up and he basically fucks him up as a person and potentially ruins him as a as a soccer player. Like he, the only good thing about him is he contributed DNA. That's it. I, I think that that's. True, but Jamie is still giving him tickets. If he was mm-hmm. 100% absolutely mm-hmm. worthless, had never shown Jamie any kindness or interest or charm or anything else, Jamie would have told him to fuck off. Like when yeah, people are it. truly useless. I mean, uh, maybe. That's a maybe. I mean, and, uh, yeah, you don't know. You don't know. Sometimes people stick around for the weirdest reasons. And, yes. And, you know. And maybe there's something that Jamie would say that he's getting from his dad that I don't understand. I will say this is also in my experience with scumbags like this. It's usually that they're a little bit charming, too, is part of the reason that you get pulled in. Oh, I totally think that. And, you know, just when you think, all right, I'm out of here, they say or do a thing. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, 
and that I believe he could have some of that to him. I wonder too, though, if there's a bit of, you know, they say like, um, oftentimes abused kids, and this is kind of, you know, tough to, you know, cause you could go the wrong way with this analysis, but they say sometimes people are like, oh, there's no way such and such a parent or person is abusing that kid. They're so close. The kid's always like holding their hand or blah, blah, blah. And there's like a thing that happens with kids where they like want, they, 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 they so want that relationship to be good that they're like almost over attached. So I, you know, I'm wondering as Jamie's growing up here, if, you know, some attention from dad, even if it's, you know, dominate the world is better than his absence. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And also, I think one thing I have learned is to never underestimate the extent to which the human brain could trick its owner into doing shit. Like, a mm-hmm. brains, brains are beautiful and amazing and come mm-hmm. up with the best shit. And also, they are out of their mind. The, the nonsense that we come up with. Oh, to my God. Things. And don't ever underestimate the power of the father-son bond. And, yeah, yeah. And, and the, you know, the anchor that it can be uh, in the wrong wrong hands. Um, anyway, uh, credit to, uh, to uh, I don't want to call out uh, Kieran O'Brien because um, I think he, I think he, I, I, like, he was effective, like right, right from the get go. He's walking in like a total cock, and I guess that's what they wanted to sell. So, um, Bug uh, says the seats there, the VIP are, are bang tidy, um, and um, this is what you get when your son is in the semifinals. This is what James Tart yells and uh, says Jamie's playing for the wrong fucking team, but what can you do? And then we move into the pub. And Baz says if Richmond wins, uh, they should all get Richmond tattoos. And what does May say, boss? Already have one. Yep. And she, they, they uh, Jeremy asks where it is, and she says, "Mind is fucking business." Um, and we cut to the coaches, and I, I was like, "What is happening here?" Um, I, I wish we knew more about the. I, I just don't. I didn't realize there's a coach room. Uh, it was so weird. Like, I'm like, why aren't they in the locker room with the guys? Like, what is mm. what is happening right now? This is so weird that they're in like this they're, little coach room. Their um, um, the- logo or whatever is on the wall. though, So it did feel like it was intended to be like an official thing that it, it didn't seem yeah. like they like snuck off to some other room. It seemed like, no, this is where they belonged. Um, but yeah, it was. I, and then, I and then Higgins sure. is like, OK, we're ready. Instead of like, I'm like, wait, why? How would Ted ever not be with the team right now? I, I just the whole thing was weird to me. Maybe this is how it's done, and I just don't know it. Um, uh, one thing that jumped out at me is Beard and Nate are discussing strategy on the whiteboard, and Nate is saying like, "I don't think we can pull this off." And he's like, "What if they have the game of their lives?" Uh, so even if they have the game of their lives, it was still hard to pull this off. And I'm going. Where is the lasso way right now? Where is the, wh- wh- where is the thing at this point, right before the biggest game in the history of Richmond, where we're seeing some coaching and, and you know, Ted is coming through and we, just, I guess, again, this is one of the things that soured me on season two a little bit because I'm like, oh, this is a fundamentally a story about a soccer team. And it's like, no. No, that's not what they chose. I I I see what you're saying here, but I would push back and say we walk into Wembley. He, albeit you know thwarted in his Ted way, he he says to them, "We're going to pull off a miracle today." 
or, you know, I believe we can do it. We're going to make history rather is what he actually says. The miracles from somewhere else. But, you know, we're going to create history today and we're going to go inside and do, you know, we got work to do. So to me, that covers that covers um, that piece. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're not. Anyway, I was hoping to get some mention, I, you know, uh, coach, you say, OK, that covered the P- Ted's Ted's flawed speech for you <laughs> um, like uh, you know mile it, w- what seems like an eternity before game time satisfied you on that level for me i still wanted something more something in the moment um it just feels like ted is bizarrely detached right now mm-hmm. to, to you know compared to how he used to be mm-hmm. um i can't imagine him with the wichita wichita state shockers not being in the room with them before the national championship game um I'm just like, I, none of it makes any sense to me, but it's fine. Well, I, this is something I'm going to be touching on a lot more later, but I feel like the lasso way up until he gets to Richmond and maybe even the first season at Richmond is a coping mechanism for all of the stuff that's come before in his life. And it's breaking down. Like we've seen it break down in yes. season one because his wife is gone and he's no longer in his son's life as much. And, and there are, it, this is a crisis, not because anything new has happened for him, but because his previous methods aren't getting the job done anymore. So he's in the middle of this crisis and everything he's relied on, he can no longer depend on because it isn't working. So I think he's going to be off this season across the board. I think there's something to that for sure. I, but I would say I'm not, I don't think it's as like, I don't think it's failing quite to the degree that I feel like you're you're putting forth. I mean, Jamie did scream Richmond on the way back yes. in after the flawed speech. You know, like there are things that have been put in motion here. Here's a an incredibly unified team. Um Roy is a coach. Like I think that there are a lot of things about the way Ted does things that are actually working. I do agree that he's dealing with all this other stuff, but I don't feel like he's just sort like he's abandoned the lasso way, but I agree with you that he's now not able to just sort of use that to get through everything that he's, 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 he's headed for the reckoning. Yes. I guess what I should have specified is that it isn't him necessarily failing across the board. He is not homeless and out of a job and, you know, at the worst point of his life. It is his coping mechanisms that are failing him across the board. So like, yes, yes, yes. And and in that way, you can continue to be succeeding like from an outsider's perspective in a bunch of different ways. I mean, um, when I was in college and, you know, losing my mind because my previous coping methods were no longer working. I was still getting good grades and at a very good college and had friends and was paying my rent. And also just like a fucking basket case. Apologies to anybody that knew me back then. I promise mm-hmm. I've gotten better, but I was absolutely fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. So like, like I think that that is the thing that he is breaking down his, uh, his internal support mechanisms are breaking down and failing him. And that is coming across in some ways in his job. I think um, <clears throat> maybe one of the reasons we all found each other was any one of us could say apologies for who I used to be because I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> no, I've no, gotten but a seriously, lot better. Really? I'm, I mean, yeah. everybody should, but fucking 
If you knew Emily Chambers when she was 19, God bless you for surviving that. That was rough for all of us. <laughs> Hell, it's rough now. Um, so, uh, so, okay. Ted is actually doing some breathing exercises, uh, breathing exercises in the middle of the coaching room. And it, you know, people notice the exhale and Beard says, you doing all right? Oh, just fine. Just doing some breathing exercises. Dr. Stone taught, taught him and. Nate says he hopes it's not stomach problems again. Uh, Doctor, I said Dr. Stone, Dr. Fieldstone. Um, and Nate says uh, he hopes it's not uh, stomach problems again. And Roy says he, he hopes Ted – I love when Roy says, like, Don't, tell me you didn't eat the, the prawn cocktail, which is like a shrimp cocktail, right? Isn't, aren't prawns shrimp? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, tell certainly related. I'm not sure if there's some yeah. somehow a little different. Yeah. Tell me you didn't eat. No, no, never, never, which was good. Higgins enters, says it's time. Um, before they go out, Ted stops to say something. Uh, Coach, what does he say? I need to tell you all something. When I left the match against Tottenham, I, it wasn't because, uh, you know, my stomach was bothering me. It was because I had a panic attack. Right. And we see everyone's reaction. He says he's been having them from time to time as of late, and he's working on it, but he wanted them to know the truth. We good. Everyone says they're good. Uh, they go to do Richmond on three, and then Higgins stops them. And what does he say, boss? I messed up the time zones on our transfer deadline, which is why we didn't sign up that amazing fullback from Brazil. I was like, you dumb shit, Higgins. <laughs> like, I'm glad that this is like this bonding. This is a, I, Coach, you know me. Like, I will forgive almost everything, but if I had my heart set on a amazing fullback from Brazil and you fucked it up because of time zones, oh, my God. Okay, but also how? Like, if you're trying to sign somebody up for your team and your team is in London, what time zones are you dealing with? That's a good point. I, I You know what? I didn't even walk all the way down that. I just accepted it as, oh, he fucked it up. But, yeah, there is... Yeah, there are some questions to be answered as to what we're discussing here. Well, one of them is, oh, hey, I have a, I have a predisposition toward, uh, toward crippling anxiety. The other one is, I'm a fucking incompetent ass. Well, uh, okay, that's your confession. I was like, okay, uh, huh? And I was like, okay, this is now we're getting into confession mode. Apparently, so lovely Higgins says, okay, I'm not going to let Ted be alone here. In the confession department, I will also confess something that is, makes me vulnerable. That's the lovely Ted Lasso moment that we're getting. Um, didn't 100% land like that with me. Uh, Roy is next to confess. And uh, what does he say, coach? Uh, he does not read the scouting reports. He's lied every time. They're boring and he won't do it, which I thought was very funny and like <laughs> like. Ex- unacceptable, except that he is Roy Kent. Like that's the. I old, mean, like if I had an assistant coach, I'd be like, "What are you? Are you serious?" But because it's yep. Roy, I'm like, "All right, all right, don't read it. I don't give a shit. Whatever." <laughs> but also, doesn't feel like much of a confession, so much as, uh, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." I feel like God bless him. I loved it, but Roy did not feel guilty about that. Roy was like, "I've been pretending, and I'm done pretending with you guys." Yeah. Well, that just I, helps him. That doesn't I, help anybody else. Well, yeah, I guess so that's it's, true. It's basically yeah. like, hey, hmm. guys, I have plan. Hey, I, I've been having panic attacks. And then, well, I have to admit that I'm a complete idiot. And then Roy's like, fuck you. That's right. <laughs> <real." laughs> 
But I think he's probably been bullshitting his way through it, right? Like, I don't think, like, I think the way he confesses it is probably they're like, oh, like it says, and I'm just making this up because I'm not sure, but essentially using Beard from season one, you know, oh yeah, they've got a lot of speed on the outside. And when someone says that, then Roy is kind of acting like, yeah, I heard, I know that already when he's learning it for the first time. So I just took it, I, but yeah, it's not on the same level. Um, I do like though that their instinct as a group is not to leave Ted dangling out there alone. Yes, and, that is lovely. And and I will quick quickly share uh Coach Castleton and I, as we've mentioned before, are in this fantasy football league. And there was a guy who was in the league who was our age, but had definitely had some uh Jamie's dad, uh some James Tart. To his personality sometimes. <laughs> More than sometimes, frankly. And so he he was having a particularly hard time with life stuff. And so I was having my own problem. But we got together because he was having some struggles. And I shared what I was going through in a way, like, essentially to say, like, yep, it's tough out here. You know, this is what I, you know, to, to, to be with him in the trenches. And kind of pretty much unprovoked he publicly aired out what i'd shared with him and i what oh my god and coach will coach will tell you i was it was everything i could do not to do my best to kill him with my bare hands it was really like that was all i could manage didn't talk to the guy for years we were in the league in a fancy football league together just wouldn't speak to him just would not speak to it was such a violation um that and, there really was no way kill, back not killing him was the result of many many hours of me begging <laughs> coach not to kill <laughs> please 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 don't kill him yeah like please don't kill him coach yeah no really no, so man. so yeah so this dynamic is a real thing and like to me this is this group of people saying like this is it like we are truly a team you know we can say things in this circle and and they stay in this circle like it's a it, it, it it's a big deal moment yeah yeah it's a big deal um Man, and, um fuck oh. that guy thank you thank you you're not the first to say that i'm gonna have to go ahead and leave. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned him before because I, I it was last season we were talking about the fantasy football draft i don't remember the context where we said you know if the world ends while we're here at the draft the first thing i would do is is kill him that's right you did remember that, that? yes yeah remember, we, we mentioned yeah. it last last season because it was like yeah i know i know he'd be the one that would sell us out or you know mm-hmm. try to like mm-hmm. you know sell our supplies to whatever <laughs> He's <laughs> like he had to be. <laughs> so he has sad, to be neutralized. He has yeah, yeah. To be he's neutralized. like, oh, it's it's not even like it's just like a point of fact. You would have to do that to protect yourself. Um. Anyway, um. Wherever he is, hope he's doing great. Uh. So we are. Uh, <laughs> uh. We are. Um. Now listening to Nate confess. Uh. He says, uh, "I pretend to get ideas in the moment, but they're just good ideas I've had for months." I just time them and make them look spontaneous. And I was like, oh, you think your ideas are good, huh? Like a good idea if you do say so yourself. I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, man. Oof. Nate, Nate, since the 
you're you're a picture we hang in a in a holiday and to call in like you better do a thousand times the amount of work and I'm watching you on every level. And, um, mm-hmm. I didn't like anything having to do with that. Um, and I felt like that's not, uh, I just, when you're saying coach, you're saying build the circle of trust. I kept thinking, guys, I don't think Nate is in the circle anymore. Um, right. I mean, he's so, even, anyway. he's dressed differently and it's interesting Somehow early on that didn't feel significant in the way it felt over time. But there is something about if you're a team, I mean, listen, if I'm going to see a kid's soccer game and I know they're, you know, they wear orange, I will probably look in my closet and see if I've got an orange t-shirt. Right? Like I will kind of like, I'm here to support the orange team. And I think it, there's something significant, not just that he chooses to wear a suit, but it's like you could throw on a tie that has Richmond colors in it. But like he's totally not like he's not in like there's a there's a not in about the way he's conducting himself in, in, on a lot of levels. Yeah, that's true. And the only person in the whole world who got gray hair faster than Nate is Barack Obama. <laughs> just true. that's and it, that is it right? and it looked a lot better on barry nate is not pulling it off no yeah no it's not it's not taking him to distinguished uh or gentlemen or whatever like, it, it distinguished just, statesmen no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no yeah no obama rocked that shit all right and now what is beard's uh confession uh uh boss uh he was on mushrooms least surprising confession anybody's ever gonna put out there but he so screwed funny. up the tea at Jane's house and he was on yeah. mushrooms for one of the games. And the best part is that Roy asks if it was, it was a Port Vale match. And they yeah. both say, yeah. And Roy goes, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was so yeah. great. That he, like, that he did this quick and out like, wait a sec. Oh, he was a little bit off in that match. Oh, love Roy. Um, I also love that happen. Roy didn't ask him anything about it, right? Because that's yeah. his business. Right, yep. like like it's yep. it, like it's very true to their relationship that he was like, oh yeah, I knew something wasn't right, but you know, you didn't say anything, so I didn't say anything. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, he ensures it won't happen again, and Ted thanks the guys. Uh, they say, let's go kick their butts. Uh, and Coach uh, Beard says butts on three, and there's this um, there's this beat there, and I wondered if uh, Boss, you of all people, would pick it up. Um, somewhere in there, and I don't know exactly where, right before they say butts on three, maybe, uh, Beard smiles at Ted, and I was like, I don't buy that. Did you notice that at all? Oh. I didn't notice that. I might need to rewatch. Also, I'm, uh, it's, I've all been listening to the, uh, It's Always Sunny podcast, where the three showrunner creators of It's Always Sunny talk about each episode. And so now I've been going back and watching things more carefully. It's sort of surprising to me how often characters in the background break and they have to just keep moving with the scene because, I don't know, Danny DeVito is so funny that if you cut out every time that uh, Charlie laughs at him, the show is never going to get done. I'll double check, Mm. but I wonder if that is just legitimately Brendan Hunt smiling at his buddy Jason. 
It didn't look like that. It looked okay. like like it looked like a saccharin sweet kind of. I don't. So, I, I so, don't so, buy so, that for a second. Yeah, Beer would not yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you guys to take a look at that when you get a chance because. For me, I'm like, no, that's not Beard and Ted's. Really- I was irritated that Beard and and Nate were the ones looking at the board. I'm like, why isn't Beard and Ted? Why aren't Beard and Ted putting something together? Why isn't there some plan? Why isn't Roy say like? Because we are about to find out the exact level of um uh, of opponent that this team is about to go up against, and just sitting in a room doing breathing exercise seems bizarrely well, passive to me. Well. I think, too, though, and I think some coaches are more this way. It's exaggerated here because, you know, Ted's still learning the offside rule and all the stuff that we have fun with there. But to me, Ted's never been, in 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 American football terms, the X's and O's guy. And he's never going to be, and he doesn't want to be. I mean, when they're flying across, he's reading Kerouac. It's, it's, it's Beard who's reading Inverting the Pyramid. I think he, what he's, what he does, his magic is that he is able to reach people and connect with them and bring out the best in them. That's the magic of Ted. I don't get the sense that he won with Wichita State because he revolutionized, you know, the air raid offense. He, he won at Wichita State because he got a bunch of guys who had no reason to believe, to believe and make it to the mountaintop. So I, I, so do I think he would just be sitting there doing breathing exercises? I don't know. I don't know about that. I know right before I go out on stage, I do some breathing exercises, but I, I'm not, I wasn't bothered by the board because I don't think that's where, I don't think that's really Ted's strength or thing. I think it would be, it would, it would be Nate. Nate on that level, Nate does know more than Ted. I mean, and he's always admitted that from, you know, Trent Krim, the independent episode. Yeah. yeah. And a little bit I'm thinking about when Ted first tried to win over Jamie, not with blowjobs because Keeley's advice to him wasn't applicable, <laughs> but he says, there's nothing I could teach you about playing football. So I do think that this is kind of his thing. He, he doesn't have the strategy. He's just there to make everybody believe that they do. Okay. Uh, thank you for that round of being Ted Lasso apologists. Um, we will move on to uh, them walking out of the uh, of the room. Beard pets, uh, pats Ted on the back, and Ted confronts him about drinking tea. And I love the beard says he didn't know how to tell him. Look at you all fancy now drinking tea. He said, I, I didn't know how to tell you. I love that moment too. That, was, that seemed right to me. When you see the smile that Beard gives Ted, I'm like, no, 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 uh, don't, okay. don't buy it. Okay, I will say I just rewatched as we were discussing other things because I'm great at multitasking. He gave him the smile. Uh, uh, Beard says it won't happen again. Roy says, yeah, he understands. Ted says, thanks, guys. And then both Higgins and Beard smile at Ted. So it's not the butts. It's it's that. It's not as believable. But do you see the smile that I'm talking about? I sure do. It is too saccharine, but I also believe that Beard would want to be supportive of his buddy after he just announced that he was having panic attacks. When Ted says thanks, guys, when Ted acknowledges that they were all doing the confessions for his confession, I, I believe that Beard would be more understanding, similar to the way um, season one, episode five, Tan Lines, 
when Henry shouts across the field, dad, Beard looks immediately at Ted. Like, I, I buy that. I mm-hmm. And Beard smiles in that scene. I think that when Beard needs to connect with Ted, he will smile. Yeah, okay. I guess I, I probably was looking for a lot of speed on the outside uh, kind of moment um, here. But it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, we move now to the game. Uh, we cut to Arlo and Chris. For me, Arlo is the unquestioned MVP of the series because I was <laughs> I was listening <laughs> and he's so spot on and so good. Uh, it's so funny because Arlo White is a professional com- co- uh, commentator, an announcer, sports announcer uh, for football. Um, and I'm like, there's this big thing, you know, soccer's trying to get hold great gain uh, purchase in America. And there's usually like, terrible announcing and i'm like this guy is like am- he's right there um and i looked up what he's doing and he's he is now announcing uh golf for that 54 you know the 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 the, the saudi arabian yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. announcing oh, for, which is like bad. yeah right it's, you're like uh it's so gross um but um just because it feels like ugh, it's just all corporate nonsense anyway arlo white uh I, I he's just phenomenal and at the end of this speech the taj mahal of english football the setting for every young footballer's dreams a sporting battlefield pockmarked with the footprints of giants i'm like i was so fired up because this is what i want this yeah. is what i yeah no they, it, i was the, the camera work was amazing the 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 speech was amazing uh, hoping to add another upset to this fable ground storied list. Humbled AFC Richmond never won a major trophy. The last London club to make their Wembley debut. Renewing hostility against the undisputed greatest team in the land, the mighty Manchester City. Um, and um, we continue. We see Jamie. They're all lined up going out to the field. Lots of, you know, montage of everybody getting ready. Um, he, Arlo says it's only 11 months that – uh, ago that Richmond was relegated by Man City, and you know Jamie Tart was a, a City player then, and he helped send Richmond down. Then City sent him down the M40, and he's a greyhound again. Uh, we see cut to Jamie's dad being a knob again, um, and he, he Arlo, uh, ra- you know, sort of talks the match up a little bit. City's after trophy. Richmond are after revenge. It's ready to blow. It's under the arch. It's Wembley Stadium, and. There's all these great oneers of the Richmond players. Do you see that? I'm like, oh my god, this is this is crack for me. I was like, this is mm-hmm. what. I, yeah, no, I love this. It. Is what I want. I love this. Um, so I was so excited. Um, again, I I missed like a coaching moment or like a unifying thing between coaches and teams. Coach, you know, between the coach coaches and Richmond players, because I'm like, no, this is like. Haven't we been brought up? Uh, we've been we've been taught that this is what happens before the game. Ted gives a speech, or you know, we get a moment. But anyway, I won't dwell on it anymore. Um, we see our all our boys on the field ready to go, and the whistle blows. And how long before Man City scores? Was it one second or not much more than that? Yeah, it was not good. <sighs> okay. Not good. Ted asks how that wasn't offsides. Beard says he's passively only passively offside. Still doesn't get these freaking rules. Uh, another header uh, off a corner, off a set piece, makes it 2-0 Man City. I mean, 2-0 is against Man City. Just, just you, you can head home. Mm. Yeah, I, got, I mean, 
It's funny because I'm trying to remember what I was just watching. Maybe there was World Cup. At any rate, um, whatever I watched most recently, they talked about 2-0 being the um, sort of a, a, a surprisingly precarious score for the, the team that's up. And I thought that was an interesting, I wasn't sure what to make yeah. of that when I was watching the, you know, real life, you know, football, not, not scripted. So I, I, I did wonder for a split second if this was being set up as a, uh, as a comeback, if, if this was being set up as like, oh, right, now we're really going to run them up the tree and, uh, you know, have a magic moment. And, did you expect uh, Richmond that. to win here, coach? <sighs> I wasn't sure. Honestly, I wasn't sure. I'm trying to. I was thinking, like, did I expect them to win? I thought they might. I did not expect the outcome we got. That I did not. Like, they definitely surprised. I thought this was going to be a moment of showing how, you know, Richmond has galvanized. And I thought if they did lose, it would be more like uh, season one, episode 10 losing um, The Hope That Kills You and not. It's the they are way better than you that kills you. I mean, yeah. So I mean, no mention of the two aces. Uh, n- nothing about that. Um, we see uh, Jamie's dad freaking out every time Man City uh, gets scores. Um, Rebecca uh, is, uh, you know, kind of a gog. Keely yells shit. All of a sudden, it's three nil. You see coaches arguing on the sideline. And Nate is like trying to park the bus again. I'm like, wait, what? Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't. I I think they just didn't have the speed. It's like we cannot play them this way. That that's what I heard Nate saying. Like maybe you don't like that strategy, but it's the strategy. It is the only thing we can do that could possibly work. This team is better than us. That's the way I took that. But it was an interesting way to show that they were trying to sort it out but also they were they were arguing on the sideline they weren't figuring it out and i think there's a difference there and i thought that was an interesting piece there like it wasn't like it is too late like when he when 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 beard said it is too late to park the bus i didn't get the sense that they were having the kind of like exchange where there might be some c answer strategy answer they'd come up with and try that like it just seemed like they were just arguing. Should we do it my way or should we do it your way? So it, they were falling apart on the sideline, from to my eye, as much as the team was falling apart on. Well, the field. parking the bus is a, is another word for. I mean, as I remember it, uh, parking the bus was is is when you bunker, you pull everybody back, right? Right. And, and but you can't pull everybody back at three nil like that. But the, but they said they couldn't pull everybody back at being tied. He, he, you, you pull everybody, yeah. But you pull. Well, I know you pull everybody back. When when you're Man City, you park the bus. When you're up two nil, and you're like, I don't care. We just got to waste time and end this game. You, you know, teams in soccer will get up one nil and then waste the rest of the game. That's, right? They'll just pull everybody back and say, we got one goal lead. You know what I mean? Like, let's just waste every remaining second. Hold the ball as much as we can. Maintain possession and just bunker. And and uh. So yeah, I'm like, why is Nate? So they have to be on the offense. They have to be. I don't know. It was crazy. But they can't um, be. 
I mean, for me, it feels a little bit, and now I'm going to take us to yet another sport. It feels a little bit like Ali Ropa doping Foreman in, 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 you know, the Rumble in the Jungle. It's like, I'm not going to walk out in the middle of this ring and just start swinging with this dude. Like, yeah, but okay. <laughs> so okay I thought, here's I thought, the thing I, thought I don't that like about was it. what he was going for. But, but to- yeah, totally. you know, you know that. football in a way I don't. So let's just be clear. I about love that. that analogy. Right. Um, uh, c- coach, you just, uh, it's so funny. Coach just got a, a new gig or he's got to take a, um, he's got to take a new program and sort of, make them a, a coach bishop program. And <laughs> and one of the things you told me was that you started research this is football, American football. Right, right. right. Um you started researching formations. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, when I start and I take this program over, I'm not gonna be able to recruit. I'm not gonna have I'm just gonna have whatever's on the on the you know, whatever they, they've amassed as a as a as a player pool, right. I will have to win right. with them. So you started Doing what? What was it? A wing formation? Yeah, wing T. It? it was it wing T. And I'm not even going to be the the coach immediately. But yes, I started thinking about if I were going to be supporting these different coaches in these different sports. If they don't have like, what would be some things that I would say? Hey, why not try that? And I thought about uh, Sean in order Payton to, in order to like, mitigate yeah, the, the lack fact of that talent. we don't we can't yeah we cannot compete. Can't. So what do we do? And so I love that, and I'm spoiled by watching you do things like that at the junior (laughs) elementary school level. So, like, what are these coaches? You know, it's just frustrating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there should have been more than just that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yep. That's what I. That's what I'm. um, So this is all your fault, Coach. You spoiled me by being very thorough. That's fine. Anyway, uh, the Man City scores again. It's four nil. Arlo says this is the time people start finding people to blame. We cut to Nate on the sideline, and what does he say, boss? Hey, ref, clean the shit out of your eyes, you dickless wonder. Okay. A- and <laughs> I, am, am, I, am I supposed to say the rest of them, too? Because you don't like saying the swears, and I like to say all the swears. I don't like to swear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a well, polite I, boy, I am. I, uh, I, I only wanted to uh, – so after that, uh, uh, Mike Dean walks over and gives Nate a yellow card. Uh, Mike is apparently a real ref. Thank you for the very thorough notes. I had no idea about that. Um, says, can't say that, Nate. I'm sorry. And Ted apologizes to Mike and says, everyone knows you have a penis. I thought that that was a Ghostbusters shout-out. Did anybody else yeah, get that's that? A, that? Yeah, uh, Dickless Wonder. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, uh, Dickless is this over true? here shut us down. Yeah, Dick- yes. Is this, is this true? It's true. This man has no dick. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's what I thought too. I I thought too. This was a this was Nate. Not just being, you know, it, you know. I'm not sure we're supposed to be helping to scream that. And he was, I thought it was accurate to say I was blaming, but also I thought it was Nate getting out of his lane like you're an assistant coach like yes not your if someone's gonna yell that it's ted like as an assistant coach yeah, it is that, not it, your place to be you don't think so i i i was supp- i was hoping I was, I was hoping when you finally make it as a coach right and this is just a little wish fulfillment i was hoping that you would hire boss as an assistant coach <laughs> 
<laughs> just to yell profane <laughs> shit and get thrown out of games so you don't have to. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It could work. Oh, she'd be good at I, it. It could work. I, uh, yeah, I could do that. What's the position in hockey? Where, uh, the one that, the enforcer. I, I could be your coach enforcer. I could do yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. You got a you got a little bit of a goon vibe to you, boss. I, I like that. I don't think it's a little bit. I think it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So Mike, uh, Mike uh, Dean gives a, a yellow card. Uh, can't say that, mate. I'm sorry. Ted apologizes. You know, everyone knows you have a penis. Mike says he's been called worse. This just felt like a little fan service. Like, oh my god, Mike Dean. They put him in. I don't think the line itself clean the shit out of your eyes, you dickless wonder. I'm like, wait, what? what the hell is that? It's such a weird thing to say. Anyway, clean the shit out of your eyes. I, I. Why don't ass- you clean yourself? I, I, uh, I just assumed it was something that would, you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. would be said that you know. But yeah, it, it was a very specific uh, sentence. I felt like they, they like had Mike Dean for about 14 minutes. And we're like, okay, we need a line. What can they yell? Um, it was terrible. All right. Anyway, uh, the uh, a bumper catch. Um, uh, we got an own goal, by the way. I think the uh, the fourth goal was an own goal. Yeah. Which means they scored on themselves. Um, then they get a penalty, and uh, then uh, Man City does uh, has a penalty shot and penalty kick, and they and they score, making it five nil. Uh, if this was a fight, Chris says they would stop it. And frankly, Arlo, all fights should be stopped before they've started. Uh, Beard is cursing and throwing his hat on the ground. And Ted says it is what it is. And what does Beard say to that, Coach? Uh, not Coach. I want Boss to weigh in on this. What does Beard say when Ted says it is what it is? He shouts, yeah, it is what it is. And then he walks over and uh, falls over the barrier on national TV. I didn't like the barrier fall because I was into him being pissy about it. So I was I, like, oh, that's too, that's too fast. I, yes. Okay, great. Nice gag. It's always good to have a button. But I'm like, he was – he read as pissed to me. Oh, I, he is pissed. Yeah, I think that's part of why he fell over, that he's so wild with rage that he wasn't paying attention to where he but was going. It looked like he was pissed at Ted a little bit. No. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was – I think he's pissed at the game and he's pissed that like – to me, this is a maybe less, not maybe, a, a less healthy version of our speech that uh, wins Jane back, right? It's like, it matters to him. We should all be upset that we're losing. I think what's interesting is there's part of me that sides, This I would be upset, but there's part of me that sides with Ted here, which is us being pissed on a sideline right now isn't going to score us any goals and isn't going to take away any goals and isn't going to help our players get any better or smarter or right. Like that, like you're, you're, you're resisting what is, and that's why you're as pissed as you are. This is actually, this happened. Like we got our asses kicked. I don't like that. You ever, you, but you ever get whooped like that uh, on uh on a big, big stage coach? Not on a, not on a, Big stage, but I've had some pretty some pretty ugly basketball games with teams that I've you know just gotten together or whatever. But this was pretty to be this far along in a tournament and take this kind of a whipping is pretty uh pretty harsh. I um 
I was like uh, on a traveling team, soccer team when I was younger, and we flew to Australia uh, for like three and a half weeks to play soccer in Australia. And when we got off the plane, like early in the morning, we landed, we were flying for 30 hours. It was insane. Um, and uh, we had to play a game right away. And we got, <laughs> it was like their best team. And we were like, you know, it was kids okay. from all over the country. So they were like, oh, this is like quote unquote team USA. We weren't team USA, but it was like a, tr- you know, it was a bunch of all stars from all over the country. And we got beat 12 nothing. Uh, and it was like, I'm sorry. It, it, yeah, it was bad. And then so the, we had to travel and we didn't realize like the, the Australian game is way rougher than what we were used to. Like you just could run right over people and stuff. So we played for three and a half weeks. And then our final game was against um, that same team, but it was in front of like all these like fans and everything. It was crazy. It was like the most people I've ever played in front of, I think. And um, we ended up winning four to three. Uh, oh, on, wow. Like, the last second goal. We can't, yeah, because we got so much better playing there. But I was like, oh, God, it was so nice to be, but 12 nothing. You know what I mean? Like five, that's how five nil feels to me. When you when you like oh my god beard must be incensed like yeah, no, two nothing is, would have been yeah. rough three nothing would have been like god we got murdered five nothing is is crucified yeah no that in it, soccer it, it, yeah it was bad and I and I thought the fact that like Roy was sitting by the time you know Nate got the yellow card like I think that was Roy's version of like wow you know. Like there's no there's nothing there's nothing to be said at this point. Like let's just have this clock run down and get the hell out of here. So yeah, it's interesting that you said that. I was just thinking about in high school, um, uh, the wrestling team that I did stats for. One of the guys who I liked a lot. He was very funny, and we got along very well. Um, and he was expected to place very well at state his senior year. Uh, he'd been great, and he was expected to continue being great. And at regionals, I think, whatever it is right before we get to state, but I can't remember right now, uh, he lost a match early in the tournament that nobody expected him to lose. And so then he was wrestling for third place in order to qualify for state. And he started falling behind in the first period. Like from the get, it was bad. And it was hard to watch. And there were four. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. And for a wrestling match, there were a lot of people there. And as, like, the clock was finally winding down, one of the coaches, like, kind of sat back and wasn't saying anything. And because I was a stack girl, I I was closer physically to the coaches later when we were on the bus. And the head coach said to the other coach, you can't stop yelling at them until they stop wrestling. So, like, when he was telling his buddy... He was he was telling his buddy, "You can't give up on them before they've actually stopped." Like you you stay there and you yell. And when Ted says it is what it is, like there's a little bit of Beard saying, "Like you can't give up on them yet. They still have to play." So like if it's excruciating for them, you at least need to like pretend that they've got uh, mm-hmm. something left in this. You can't mm-hmm. you can't back out on them yet. So I like Roy sitting down and Beard being pissed about it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, that was that was rough. Um, so well Arlo said. says the oh, what do you say, coach? No, I was just saying well said. I was yeah, yeah. I like that take on it. Um uh, Arlo says the uh he closes up a game, but the only good thing about Richmond today was Sam's haircut. 
Um, talks about a devastated Jamie Tart. And we see Jamie just destroyed. Uh, we cut back to, you know, Baz and Paul and Jeremy and May. They're in the pub, like totally deflated. May, you know, sort of just yeah, a little aside. She says, it's on me arse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, um, yeah, shades of, um, uh, coach, you haven't started watching, uh, welcome to Wrexham, but there's like, you know, the fan base that gets, is so used to disappointment. Uh, there's, there's a lot of that in that show. Um, we cut to Sam in front of the, uh, uh, press and, um, uh, he, they're asking him how badly he felt to lose out there today. And, uh, as this question is asked, Sam notices Rebecca going by and they look at each other and he kind of, you know, nods at her. Um, and she, what does she do, boss? She puts her head down a little bit and keeps walking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I feel sorry we let the fans down. Um, and then um, a security guard informs Jamie in the in the Richmond locker room that Jamie has a visitor. It's his father. Uh, and then we get, like, the most irritating <laughs> this poor guy. I, I mean, uh, where, wherever Kieran uh, O'Brien is out there, um, he, he's a man. I really like his face, by the way. I don't know. I just like how he looks. He's really interesting, uh, expressive face. And he comes in and he's got to lay this on thick. Uh, asks if Jamie's decent. Uh, you know, he passes the security guard. He's like, told you, prick. Um, I thought I thought that in particular, I bought it from that character. Like, oh, I'm such a big deal. Of course, I'm his dad. Which, like, why should some security guard, like, it's not his job to just be a fucking revolving door and let anybody in who says anything. Like, of course, he's got to go check. Um, But, yeah, I thought that him calling the guy a prick was just like, oh, you are the worst. You're just a horrible person. Yeah. Oh, just disgusting. Uh, so then Jamie's dad does a whole song and dance, talks shit to to the whole Richmond team. Man City's the best team, and they beat everyone they play. He says, don't worry, pups. You never stood a chance. And then he sees Jamie. And what does he say to Jamie, coach? My son, my own flesh and blood. Poor Jamie, my son. Now, maybe I'm thinking his heart's still in Manchester, and that's why he missed that sitter in the first half. You absolutely balled it. You balled it. What were you thinking? And then he fake punches Jamie in the stomach. I'm only kidding. And if there's anything worse than an asshole being mean and tagging, I'm only kidding on at the end. I've not yet experienced it. It makes me want to kill. Yeah. Yeah. It's infuriating. Then he asked Jamie to do a favor and get Denvo and bug past security. They want to go on the pitch and take a few snaps. Yeah. Um, Jamie says, I'd rather them not. Yeah, I just want to just want to look around. Only take a second. Douche pretends to <laughs> punch his chin. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you're the douche, douche. Yeah, anyway, that was funny. Yeah, uh, I'd rather them not. Jamie says, I- I'm just dying watching Jamie try to try to navigate this. Um, it's amazing how much how much I love Jamie Tart. It is crazy how, how much your heart goes to him in this scene. Uh, well, you're not going to go all moody little bitch just because you got your arse served to you on a plate, are you? Don't speak to me like that. 
Ugh. I mean, I'm just like, I'm just dying, dying. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Don't speak to me like that. Huh? Huh? The ha ha. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So his coach has known me through a lot. So at this point, I'm like, I think you got to whoop his ass. I like, I think like just on GP, like this could not continue, but go ahead. Uh, so Jamie says again, don't speak to me like that. Okay. Let's see if you can hear this. You know, that Ickle TV show. Ickle is a, is a British word for little. Not little TV show, but little in a with a with a playful childish uh, sensibility. You know that little playful mm-hmm. TV show you made. You made it easy for Manchester not kicking to the curb and look where you are now, twaddling twaddling about with a bunch of amateurs. No offense, no offense. Um, and Jamie turns around. Gra- his dad grabs him by the arm. Don't turn your back on me, you pussy. And what happens, boss? Jamie turns around and swings the shit at him. Drops him. Yeah, it was Which, pretty sweet. Did you, just, you, did you say turns around and swings the shit at him? Yeah. This is this is the thing we said where you called somebody a fuck ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, as long as you have enough profanity in the in the sentence, we get the the general. He, he hits yeah. him. It, he, well, of course he hits him. Yes, obviously. Um, but, it, but yeah, no, you just, uh, you use the swears to feel your way through the language. As, as long as you have enough shits and ass and fucks, yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying. That's from Deuteronomy, yeah. right? Exactly. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly right. And he punches him. He punches him square in the face. Right. And uh, I had mentioned, I wrote a post a while back, um, I understand why a lot of people needed the catharsis of seeing Jamie punch his shit dad in his shitty face. Uh, I kind of wanted it to be Ted. I kind of wanted to see Ted punch. Yeah, we had a long. So at the over at the antagonist blog, we had what uh, days of dispute of of between all the writers trying to figure out who should have punched James Tart and why it was. I think uh, John Brown Spires wrote an article about it and. Or was it you, boss? Did you write that article? I wrote one, and then he wrote a response. Okay, yeah. And so it was like, oh, here's why Jamie should have, and here's why somebody else. I mean, here's the thing. Um, yeah, uh, coach, do you think it should have been Jamie, or how would you have liked it if it was Beard uh, or Ted or Roy? I, I, I think you could create compelling. Um, I think you could have created compelling scenes with those other people. I I like that it was Jamie in that this is Jamie finally and fully rejecting this version of who his father is is forcing him to be, right? Like, and so I, I, I felt like he needed to do that. But then once he did it, and we'll get to what it looks like on screen, once he did it, it's like, He's got no more father now. He had a, a, a shitty father, but now he's got no father now, you know, in the context of this storytelling. But I I thought this right. was the ultimate. And and it also struck me, and that I'm saying that out loud, it feels to me, because it's sort of like, well, if we're saying toxic masculinity is a problem, is it, quote, right to have a punch in the face be sort of this cathartic, you know, moment for this character. 
And it feels a bit like what he had to learn on the field when he got the signal, right? I mean, it, the, the bottom line is, hey, look, sometimes somebody needs to get punched in the face. Can you be, can you figure out when that time is and do it on the side of the righteous? Yeah. And do and hit the right person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that, wor- that worked for me, but I, I get how it could have been any of them, um, in, in support of and defense of the lasso way. Boss, what yeah. was your take? I forget. You wanted it to be Ted, right? Did I want it to be Ted? Absolutely. I thought that it, and maybe this will be better if we uh, wait until the next scene to go through this, but I feel like there should have been something so wildly jarring about the scene, not just for Ted and not just for Jamie, but for the entire team. And we've seen hints of Ted's anger before, especially when he's been drinking or when he's, you know, emotionally strained. Um, I think, we're going to get an idea that Ted has a lot of dad issues too. And so it might've been him acting out. Um, and I think also it would have been a relief for Jamie that he didn't need to do it himself. Not that he wouldn't yeah. have wanted to, but sometimes like having somebody else step in and protect you or stand up for you in that way is as important as doing it yourself. Yeah, I, I I do buy that, that that for Jamie to have to be protected. But I wonder if there's also a coming of age element of and now and I hate that it's a punch, right? Because I feel like I'm con- endorsing all sorts of stuff. But like, and now you're a man, kind of like now. Um, but yeah, I I, I get where I, I, Jamie I could is not a human agree with being. You more coach, I just want to I want to point out I I love that you're hesitant about that because this is exactly what we're all talking about and when you're trying to be a good man and you don't want to be toxic there's this this book i read where uh two brothers um god i love this book so much but the older brother's kind of a stakehead the younger brother's kind of a uh thinker and he the thinker is just trying to get out of fighting as much he's like doesn't want to ever fight and the older brother's like there's sometimes i i I'm so sorry that this is the world we live in, but sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes that's it. You're, you're backed into a corner. And um, I kind of, I know we're fighting for a world that doesn't have that and where uh, violence is not the answer. Um, and I think one of the reasons they built this James Tart character so, he's so clearly obnoxious is, is to answer this question. To say like there was no way other way out of this for Jamie, um, right. so it exonerates him a little bit. I don't know. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, he knocks his drops his dad to the ground. Uh, his dad gets up and and says, "Okay, you can have that one for free," and he's gonna go fight him. And of course, thank God, Beard steps in, grabs James, and uh you know he's screaming never forget where you came from and beard says watch the door and smashes him into the door yeah. on the way out and i was like thank god I somebody I again it. we don't i can't uh that's <laughs> so funny because <laughs> i'm like oh no violence is never the answer but it was great when he mashed his face into the uh, i know, I know. The door. my hockey fan is coming out um but it's it's a social control thing it's not like the cops did it to him. It's like his friend, you know, Beard came in and just kind of 
you know, manhandled him out the door and the guy had to come in and anyway. Okay. Now walk us through what happens from this point. Once Beard escorts James Tart out of the locker room, boss. Yeah. And I would like to say, um, to your point, violence is never the answer, but sometimes it's the best answer you could come up with. I love when presented that. when presented with overwhelming despicability, sometimes violence is the answer. Um, also, I would like to say I've always defended people who are assholes because, in my opinion, they're jerks who use their power for good. And I really like that um, when, when people do that. I like when they do that. So uh, but so after Beard uh, very nicely says, watch the door and slams his face into it. Uh, the soccer, the entire team is silent. Nobody's saying anything. Jamie is obviously upset. And Roy goes over and gives him a hug. And Jamie starts sobbing. This, I mean, this show has obviously had some unbelievably just heart ripped out of your chest, gut punch, emotional moments. I'm not sure any exceeds this moment. I mean, when you think about what it says about Roy, what it says about Jamie, what it says about them as a team, that you know, if anything, this moment of just complete vulnerability is going to bring them closer as a team, if anything, and that Jamie, who they've all now embraced. Now, you know, if you're if you're Sam, it's one thing for Ted to say to you, hey, I'm realizing that he doesn't have the one thing, you know, right? It's another thing for you to witness that display of absolute, dysfunction and pain and violence like suddenly the maradona quote joke that hurt you have some serious context for how a guy ends up the kind of guy who says that to you um so yeah i just this this moment for me was just oh man (laughs) i mean all the feelings wrapped into one yeah. I, yeah, I remember. Go ahead, boss. What were you saying? Well, I, I was going to say that I had a, a lot of those same feelings. Um, I think that it is, you know, to go back to the points earlier about how we don't want to endorse toxic masculinity and that violence is seen as toxically masculine. Um, and, and number one, women could be very violent. I would like to point out that mm. I have I have seen some fights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, you, are you familiar with the term the devouring feminine? No. What does that you mean? Should look, you should look that up. I'm listening. Yeah. Devouring, devouring feminine. I will check into that. Um, I, I think as much as we want to move away from toxic masculinity, uh, part of it for me is this divide that this is what women are and this is what men are and this is feminine and this Mm -hmm. is masculine number Mm -hmm. one there should be a bunch more movement and number two we shouldn't say that one version is good and one version is bad so men being gentle could be masculine if we didn't have such a skewed version of how men are supposed to act like we we could uh, realign all of these things so having having jamie need to punch his dad in order to put an end to the violence his dad was doing at him was necessary having Roy step in in order to sort of heal that and comfort that is something we also need. And both of these 
are okay being masculine as long as we don't turn them into something ugly. Yeah, you nailed you, you nailed that. I'm just here to say you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. I um I had yeah I I definitely felt that way and and um I I would offer for the record that. Uh, I would hope that violence is never the answer and, and there would be a better way to do it. Um, maybe, maybe uh, if Jamie had a little more life wisdom, he wouldn't have let his dad uh, in the, in the room or, you know, would have relegated him outside or where. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, there's that, that beautiful beat of, of, Roy um, holding Jamie and I had this feeling I, it was like a political thought where I was like, Oh, you know, that's what has changed. Like when I was growing up, like, you know, I feel like Roy is a little more conservative than Jamie. And when I was growing up, conservatives kind of knew when to hug you, when to like say, okay, well, fuck it. That's, you know, now we're at a serious thing and now we know when to like, whatever. And I'm, I'm like, that's what's missing. It's like that we've lost that human touch. Um, and, and it was, I don't know. It's just a sad thing to see, but that was a, that was a really, um, really powerful scene. And then, uh, Ted sort of looks really emotional and he zips out of the room and we get a great shot of, of the team, uh, supporting Jamie. And then we cut to Dr. Uh, uh, Sharon and, She's in her apartment, and what ha- what happens, Coach? Uh, she gets a call, and she, you know, knowing that it's Ted, immediately calls, says, sorry about the loss. She thanks him for the new bicycle, uh, which I thought was, yeah, I thought, I, I, I like that on a few different levels. Ted doing something to take care, right? Like, it's more that human connection between them. And when she says it was very kind but unnecessary, to me, that says, I'm going to accept your gift. And I think, I'm not sure that the Dr. Sharon at the top of this episode wouldn't have said, uh, well, it would be inappropriate as a professional to, to, to accept a gift from a good, right? But I think here, there's something more and other than that now. And so she can. And, and, and the humanity between them, I think, speaks to the moment that follows. Uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Sharon, she thanks Ted and she says very kind of necessary. And she realizes like Ted's just not, there's no witty banter coming back. Uh, and she's like, Ted, are you there? And Ted says, what boss? He says, my father killed himself when I was 16. That happened to me and to my mom. And she says, I'm so sorry, Ted. And he says, and look, I don't know if that's where maybe some of my issues stem from. And she very rightly says, no, it definitely is. I had a question at that exact moment, boss. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have a question right there. Mm -hmm. Does Michelle know this piece of information? Oh, boy, I love that you asked that so much. Um, So I think one of the things I should probably mention at this point, back to one of my favorite topics of all time, my two dead dads. And also, I hope everybody Mm. uh, uh, listening understands that you should be singing the My Two Dads theme song whenever I say that. uh, (laughs) that, that Jesus Christ, Bone. That is is the idea behind it. You can count on me. If you haven't watched... 
the 1980s Dick Butkus vehicle about a woman who, or a girl who isn't sure which one of her mother, dead mothers, uh, two male suitors is her dad. And so they all move in together. Fun, phenomenal. Um, great theme song. Anyway, so back to my two dead dads. Uh, my dad, version 1.0, dead dad, did die by suicide. And unlike Ted, I have processed through it and am very comfortable talking about it and don't have any issues with it. But there are then going to be some things where when Ted says stuff, I'm going to be like, oh, honey, you're not you're not there yet. You, you haven't you haven't gotten there. And one of the first things that how the fuck would you know, boss? Oh, oh I, shit. No. Right, 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 right. Oh, right. oh right. God. <laughs> <laughs> and, so and so I'm not going to say that my uh, dead suicide dad is the same as his dead suicide dad, but I'm going to say that in my experience, these are the things that happen in some of these ways. Um, so one, I do wonder how much Michelle knows and what she knows and what Ted has been able to talk about. And one of the things that jumped out at me most in this scene is he says, my father killed himself. That happened to me and my mom. He doesn't say that happened to my dad. He, do, he doesn't say like, right. my dad had this horrible thing happen right. that he couldn't get past. This is still very much focused on it happening to him and his mom. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much Michelle knows. And uh, as we get into the next scene, I think we might, or, you know, end of this scene, um, might want to check about how much we think Beard knows. That also, like, I, I, I am wondering if this is the first slash only time this has been in an open way like this, certainly in his adult life that, that Ted has, has addressed this. And, and I like, and I, I like that you said that he, he points out that, it, you know, it happened to him. It happened to his mom. Um, unfortunately, or to say the least, I've experienced um, one of my players uh, ended their life. And, and you know, it was this kid who I, you know, I poured a lot of love into and a lot of energy into. And I was, in addition to a lot of things, I was furious. And I remember... Being, they had this like, you know, the gathering of, you know, some adults to kind of have a conversation and start processing and think about what we're going to do for the kids and all this kind of stuff. And I remember like people saying this and that. And then I went, I, you know, I got to just be honest and tell you, like, I'm pissed. Yeah. And I had people come to me later after the meeting and thank me for having, I was like, we have worked so hard. I know I'm not the only one who's put all this energy into this kid. I check on him all the time, asked him how he was doing, checked on his grades, everything. And and really, right now, I would love to just call him over to my truck like I would do to ask him about his grades and go, fuck's the matter with you? Yes. Are you crazy? Yes. Like, what? Are you crazy? And, and 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 he's not there, you know? But I, I wanted to punch a 13-year-old who was no longer with us square in the face. And I really meant it. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that's I, th- th- for me this moment of saying it that way. I appreciated that there was that like, but this is how it impacted me. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. I think um, I, I think you know since Ted's dad died, which I guess on the show it's supposed to be about thirty years ago. 
Um, so I think yep. since then, since the early-ish 90s, we have come very far in societally our understanding of suicide, of people dying by suicide, of framing it not as he killed himself or they killed themselves, I should say, uh, but they died by suicide in yes. order to more properly frame it as a disease that eventually kills them and, you know, keeping that in mind. But I do think that that is something that's been pushed out more than it should be. When somebody dies, our brains are beautiful and amazing and they come up with great things. And also they are stupid sometimes. And so when somebody does something that hurts you, you are hurt and you are angry. And it takes a long time to process the ways in which they didn't mean to do that to you. That if anything, their brains were so stupid and fucked up at the time that it, it either didn't occur to them or it couldn't or, you know, all the stuff that happens with that. But I do think it needs to be acknowledged that when somebody close to you does something that hurts, you get pissed. Like, Ted is still there. Ted hasn't processed through it and gotten past it. But it's something that happens immediately and it should be acknowledged and it should be processed through. Well, okay. Um, love you guys. And so sorry that you, um, I'm trying to modulate my voice again as if you lost your cell phone to adequately right. um, <laughs> <laughs> capture uh do you uh, want me to make more jokes about 80s tv shows in order to get us back into the right speed because oh my god i have to say boss that that joke i i, I will be there's the comic in me who's like whatever it is you can tell a joke about it and this, that just wants to like give you a standing ovation that my two deaths <laughs> i was like oh my god like Whoa! That was that was that was pretty fearless joke telling right there. Holy shit! Well, I mean, my other connection to '80s TV shows is that there should have been a '90s sequel called Medium Size Wonder, where Vicky the robot from Small Wonder goes off to college. I like it. I like it. Especially what's that show that the 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 oh. I'm not going to blank, but the the new like dark version of that premise. Ah, anyway, go ahead and cut it. This is going Wednesday. On. No, it's not Wednesday. There's like a, it's another like robot. I'll. It's not worth it. Sorry, guys. I I lost the thread. All right, that's fine. Um, okay. Uh, well, so we have that. We finished the call with um, Doctor Sharon. Uh, she says, "Do you want to talk about it now?" He says, "No, not right now. I need to get back inside of the team. I just want you to know." Uh, okay, thank you for telling me, Ted. Please call if you need me. I will. I'm sorry. I will. It's okay. Good night, Ted. Um, again, uh, outside of uh, of Arlo White as the MVP, uh, I just want a little shout out for Bridget, who called this. <laughs> like, like the therapist for Doctor Sharon was like, "All you have to do is open up, and he'll open up." And then he opens up with the biggest right. secret of his yeah. life. Right? Yeah. And it did occur to me if uh, Dr. Fieldstone told Ted, however good you are at your job, I'm better. I wonder how much better her therapist is than she is at her job in order to therapize the therapist. Yeah, must be great. We need a spinoff. (laughs) Bridget. The Bridget show. Right, right, right. Uh, 
Go ahead, Bob. Uh, go ahead, Coach. And actually, just because I know someone who is, you know, uh, uh, a therapist and has, you know, works professionally, that that really is a thing. And there really are therapists. And I think Brene Brown even mentions it in one of her talks. But there are therapists who like that's kind of what they do or that's certainly a part of it is that they're so good that they can um, that they can do that. So, yeah, I would imagine Bridget would have to be pretty brilliant to be able to, like, get around Dr. Sharon's, you know, walls of intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you guys think that? Um, I don't have any experience with people passing away in my immediate vicinity. Do you think it's because I'm so charming that once I'm in your life, it feels <laughs> just like, just, do you think that might be it? Like every day yes, is Christmas. You make, yes, you around? make life worth living, coach. Absolutely. I thought, I thought that might be, I mean, I don't know. It's a positing a thesis, but, um, all right. Um, uh, so, t- uh, t- Ted is getting off the phone with Dr. Sharon when Beard rolls up and um, he's, you know, cleaning up. I thought uh, Jason Sudeikis did a great job in this scene, like, like cleaning up real fast. Did you yeah. Know yeah. 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 I mean, I'll say that I don't put a lot of stock in award shows, but he earned his Emmy when he did that scene. Definitely. I was like, this is really good. It's just like really believable. Really. Uh, it's like made. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just really, really on the money for me, whatever he was doing to clean up, get the tears out and rub it off. And, uh, you know, sort of like, I don't know, come back to life. It, it, that was really, really good. Um, it also, it, it, it plays into, I thought boss's question around beard, even knowing about Ted's dad, which I, if I had to bet my own money, I, I think Ted knows and Dr. Sharon knows and nobody else knows. That that would be my personal. That would be my wager. Yeah, I I I wouldn't put money against you on that. I by the way, before we move too far on, I cannot believe Doctor Sharon is sitting in the same goddamn chair. I don't understand anything. <laughs> like it's like twelve hours later, and she's just sitting in a chair. Now she's looking at the new bike. I'm like, oh my god, are people this considerate? Like they sit there and consider things, and you know, oh, I guess. I- I felt like she must have gotten up and then gotten back in order to watch the game. Like she knew about the game. I felt like that's where she was watching. Like that's where her TV is. I, okay. Right. I guess that makes sense. I just felt like, man, she's still, they're saving money on this, on this shoot, uh, just by shooting the corner of some room. Um, anyway, Beard asks if Ted is good. He says he's fine. Just had to make a quick phone call and he makes a joke about, uh, let's what make like Shriver. Yeah, that was that was rough. Are you? (laughs) Are you? Are you? Are you really going to do that to me? That's how you're going to do me, Coach. You don't know Pablo Schreiber's half brother, Leave. Uh, is it Leave? I yeah, because it's uh, no, I know who I know who he is because he basically is the voiceover actor that does everything in the world now. Um, but yeah, he also did Ray Donovan, and he was uh, what was his character? x-men he was like the the oh god i can't talk about the the bad ones do you want to talk about logan we could talk about logan i do love logan that was excellent yeah love logan but cannot talk about whatever that was for a um for a uh you can always find uh musings about the hotness of of uh leaves uh little brother pablo um 
on behalf of uh, Boss. She she will talk your ear off about it. Yeah, you can. Okay, so Beard says, uh, I don't want to ride back with you guys. I'd rather go shake this off. Beard asks if Ted wants to join him, which I thought was cool. And Ted says he can't because he needs to FaceTime with Henry about his recital. I, I thought it was cool, too. But um, having had, and I'm thinking of one guy in particular, a, a drinking buddies in my lifetime, uh, been known to put away a, a drink or two at times in my life. I thought that was code and that Ted was like, yeah, nah, I'm not drinking like that no more. Or right now. Like, I... I don't. Oh, there's I, no question. There's no question. Like yeah. I'm gonna go take. Yeah, I'm gonna shake this off. Means you, he knows what that means. Yeah, yeah. Ted knows what that means. Yes. yes. And I, I thought that was kind of a cool moment between them. And then to follow that up, you know, as they did with then. Oh, you know. Hey, don't forget we got a meeting tomorrow. Don't forget you're in charge of coffee. Like basically, because right, he knows he's gonna tie one on. You. Yeah, this like, is gonna be get ugly. Just try yeah. not to let it get too far out of hand. I thought you know. Yeah. It, it, it played for me and it felt very real to the relationship they we know they have. Yes. And I think I'm going to have a lot of thoughts, especially moving into the next few episodes, about the way that therapy is displayed on the show. Um, one of hmm. the things that actually just came up over the weekend, I was talking to somebody and I said therapy is often to fix something that is a problem, but as often is to accept something that can't be fixed. And so Beard in this Damn. situation. <laughs> Holy you. shit. All right. Finish your point. Sorry about that, but wow. No, no, I liked it. Um, what I like in this situation is that there might have been a reading of this where Beard says, I can't be around you guys right now. And that is seen as a problem that he hasn't done enough work to get to a point where he's going to go back with the team. And I think that this is actually you're doing exactly what he needs to do. He's drawing a boundary. He's yeah. saying, I, I can't be with you guys right now. I'm going to go take care of it. It might not be the healthiest thing. Tying one on might for, like physically for your body might not be the best, but he's going to do what he needs to do to get to a point where tomorrow he could come back into work and put himself to that. So I, I love that he said he wasn't going to go back with them. I, I I love that you talk about the tying went on and, you know, healthy, unhealthy. You know, I think sometimes we, we get a little black and white with that. And and I and I agree that there, there have been moments in my life and I don't put it forth as like I recommend. But there definitely been moments in my life where I was like, there'll be plenty of time in the morning for me to really figure out how to fix this like right now i just want a bottle of jack and for everybody <laughs> to just leave me the fuck alone like this yes. is a, this is a catastrophe like i'm not you know yes. what I mean? and so yeah because he doesn't say i'm gonna quit i think he's just like we just got fucking curb stomped and i just need a moment with yeah. it and, and that and i bought it yeah i yes. I, I, I was in I, I have never had that no, really. And honestly, never. like, no, never been like. Right now, what I need is a bottle of Jack. Like, oh like, yeah, never, never, Wait. never. Maybe it's yeah. Are you are are you for real? I just ne- it's like never for whatever way my brain works. Like, I'm never like, oh, I'm gonna go get my. I guess I don't. I don't like drinking oh, enough for it oh, to. You wanted yeah, yeah. vodka. I'm not saying Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I love I, I, I love bosses like I cannot even compute 
Wait, oh, so like, tequila? Wait, wait tequila? I'm not, wait, what? Um, I didn't pin you for a crack guy, but yeah, okay. No, interesting. Um, interesting choice. Yeah, well, that's really funny. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, that I want to I want to unpack that with you at some point, coach. Maybe not on the podcast, but maybe we talk about that that dark that whatever whenever you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm going to yeah. stop time or something. I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me. I what I liked about this was the beard what was not offended when he didn't want to go. It wasn't like, oh, fine. We always used to go mm-hmm, do this together, but mm-hmm, now you're too good for it. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. It was just like, I have to go handle this. You want to come? No. And then he says, take it bird by bird. Bird by bird, coach. Do you guys remember what that reference was to? That's sort of like bit by bit, right? Like like building it brick by brick. Annie Lamott, uh, a great lady, wrote a book about uh, when she was a little kid. uh, She had a crazy huge project where she had to draw all these birds. And she asked her dad, like, what am I going to do? I have to draw like 47 birds. And dad was like, just take it bird by bird. And that forms the you know, the basis of how she approaches writing. Um, and she's great. And the book is great uh, for everyone who hasn't read it. Um, but he was just saying, you know, one, one day at a time kind of thing to beard who immediately <laughs> gives him the finger. Uh, so yeah. Uh, not that kind of bird. I even like that between friends, right? Like, you know, it's for only sure. your best friend who can just like, openly just say fuck you you know what i mean and then it's yeah, like we, totally. the, the conversation yes. just continues without a without a hitch yeah it's nice to know like what an ending is not going to be an ending where you're just like okay like it's just right yep he's we're good we're always going to be good um so yeah don't look back and anger started playing i was like oh that's such an interesting choice for so many characters in this show i was oh, like wow. oh, is, that for ja- is that for jamie is that for yeah? Don't look back in anger. It's a great song anyway. Um, but okay, Ted looking back in his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon, Doctor Sharon, trying to get over the bike situation. Um, you know, uh, Rebecca uh, looking at pictures on her laptop of Rupert on on yachts with people. Mm-hmm. Young Rebecca with young Rebecca. You know, whatever. Like you just look at all of the, don't look back in anger. Roy's knee. I, I mean, who doesn't that? apply to on this show um ted heads back into the locker room and we cut to rebecca um she walks into her kitchen and turns on the tv i don't know where she's been does it matter did you guys have a set i thought it was weird i was like why what's happening right now like where is she coming from i just assume wherever not knowing geography so i could be totally crazy here but i just took it as like she had made it back from wembley at that point and I wasn't, you know, so I don't know how like far that she had been really somewhere been. though. Like, or she was like in a state of, is this when she had her, um, beautiful, uh, green ensemble yes. that I thought would kill coach. Is that the, yes. you, you remember that one coach? And you, I thought correct. you would see that and die. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was resuscitated, but yes. <laughs> right. She's a very beautiful woman. And so, um, she, uh, the TV on the TV, Sam is talking, uh, they show the Sam's interview. He's talking about the loss, but obviously, uh, he was talking to Rebecca, and and what did Sam say, boss? Are, are you are you trying to say that he was uh, sub interviewing Rebecca during this interview? I I thought so. Yeah, is that a term? No, I was just talking about subtweeting and applying it to all of the things. I see subtweeting. Got yes, sub mm-hmm. sub interviewing. Yes, so I think so. It sure seems like it, right? It does. He says it's tough. 
It's tough. I feel sorry. We let the fans down. We lost very badly, but we tried. We gave it everything we had. And for me, that's okay. Because what's worse is to not try at all. To try is scary because you can end up losing a lot, but you have to put your heart out there. Otherwise, what's the point? Thank you. Thank you and good night. Um, and she immediately uh, has, it works like a charm. And she goes to her phone and she's about to banter Sam. And then she goes, no, I'll go text. Like we have made it past mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, whatever banter was, I'll go straight to text and um, types his full name. And remember last time we talked about if you're one name in somebody's phone, I noticed she typed in Sam Obasanya. Um And she says, uh, sorry, interview. Are you around? And what does he respond with coach? I live at 152 Wargrave Square, Southwest one. Um, yeah. I thought that was, here we go. Damn. Here we go. So now, uh, in in what I felt was the um, was a real obvious callback to the rom com trope that has been playing out throughout season two. We get Keen's song "Somewhere Only We Know," which is which is like this is the beat in the rom com where you, like at all costs you have to get back to the person, right? Oh. This is Meredith Gray running through the hospital towards Dr. Yes. McDreamy or whatever it is. McDreamy, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I watched one season of Grey's Anatomy, and I if it, if this song wasn't on there, they fucked up. They totally missed it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was per- it was per- it was very very well done, um, and again playing uh, playing sort of into their own stylings as they've outlined it for the season, but also playing against convention because as soon as she opens the door, uh, who is standing there? Uh, boss. It's Sam. Of course it's Sam. She goes to go to him and he's already there. And she says, why'd you send me uh, your address? And what does she say? For next time. Can I say something right now? Yes. I would have had sex with Sam off that line. Like if they were like <laughs> if they were like cut coach, get in here, I'd have been like done and dunner. Like the thing is, like, that is so goddamn smooth. Dude has game. Like that yeah. come on, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that was good. I think Sam is great. I also believe that he is very attractive and beautiful. But this was the first scene where I was like, oh, Okay. All right. That gotcha. specific shot, that specific shot also, I think that was, he was like crazy hot and, and attractive. And there's something very, very attractive about that type of, conf- that type of confidence. You're like, Jesus Christ. Man. Wow. Well, man. Wow. So yeah. I, for me, of course, because it almost always goes back to coach beard. Um, but in his pub speech in season one, uh, this is for me when Beard says uh, she's been toying with you, checkmate, mate, that he was paying so much attention to Jane. He knew exactly what was going on and knew that she was d- screwing up her game on purpose. He was so tuned into her. It's the same thing for me with Sam here. Like he knows so much what Rebecca is going mm-hmm. to do next, that he is at literally anticipating her moves. That shit is hot. 
Now, I, I, love, I, as a, I love that you framed it that way because also they have taken the time to know each, get to know each other, right? Like, it, it makes sense that he might know the perfect thing to say and that he might know to go ahead and show up at her door and drop that line because they've had that very real connection via banter. So, I like, it's it's believable, too. Yes, absolutely. I think that that's, like, such a big... I, but sometimes when people are like, well, how do you know if it's creepy or not? I'm like, well, do you know the person well enough to know that it's not creepy? If mm-hmm. if you know that it's not creepy, if you know and not think and not assume mm-hmm. and not want it to be, if you know it's not creepy, it's going to be okay. And in this case, it's going to be okay and very hot. Now, I, I, uh, rather than um, jump on, I will say it is weird that Sam is outside her apartment. <laughs> it's a little weird uh and you guys are just saying well they knew each other so well it was uh, okay we can gloss past that it it was i was like hmm boy that's but here's the thing though let's say he got it if he got it wrong he wasn't gonna kick in her door so she was like oh yeah no i didn't mean i was gonna come by then he would have gotten in his car and went home but he knew he wasn't gonna be wrong yeah 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 right no that's a good point um also, you guys are complete um, – what would the word be? Uh, you have been acted upon by the show so effectively because you still have not seen any interaction with them in person. Mm. And, but, but you have both bought into the like, all right, I buy it. Like, yep, this works. This is amazing. Um. I think still, that this is the closest we've seen to an interaction with them, which was which is nice interaction, but we still haven't seen that they they successfully tricked us into all buying into the Sam and Rebecca without actually showing us Sam and Rebecca. I think that this it, him being there is what I'm buying into. This is the heat that I was looking for before. Like this interaction is what is convincing me that this interaction is good. Like I don't need any build up before then because mm. this is fine. It's really interesting. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I okay. I I will buy it, and I will say uh, that you know we well Sam goes into the door. He goes right for in for the kiss. No, there was no hesitation <laughs> at all. Uh, and then the door closes. And that is the that is the end of the Man City episode. Um, yeah, final thoughts from anyone. Uh, I wish this had been four episodes. I think that's about it. I hear that. I hear that. Um, I just want to make it clear that um, I like coach have not been drinking through these episodes uh if anyone got that impression or idea uh from what i said i'm totally not drunk oh yeah yeah no me me too me too i i like that we um we 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 covered a lot of ground (laughs) (laughs) i think it was shocking to find out that in the face of of some devastating news that Coach, uh, coach, coach, uh, resorted to rage as his first uh, <laughs> right, reaction. That's right, a right. Pretty big, pretty big surprise. Um, but in general, um, yeah, uh, a very, um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of plates in the air for season two, episode eight, Man City. And 
Uh, next week, we will go to the second. We'll we'll talk about the second standalone episode of the season. Uh, you want to set that up, boss? Yeah, I do. It's going to be amazing. It's Beard After Hours, and it's all about beard all the time. It's my favorite episode of the season, hands down. Possibly of the series. When, when Rebecca was giddy behind the door after she kissed Sam is uh, the emotional level I'm going to be bringing to the entire discussion. So if you were concerned about the dark clouds I was bringing to the podcast, I will have none of that next week. Absolutely not. Cannot wait. We're looking forward to it. Um, and for that, um, we will we'll see you next week, uh, season two, episode nine, Beard After Hours. And until then, we are Richmond, Richmond till, till we, we die. die. There it is, kind of, mostly. <laughs> Couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better. I, I shouldn't have had four drinks. <laughs> exactly. We'll see you next time. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.